Welcome to Critical, Critical Apocalypse episode Ah, you didn't say it fuck right. You. Ah. Fuck you. I've been ready for an hour on. Ah. Welcome to Critical Apocalypse episode 190. Why is it fucked up? Why is it it's fucked not, up? You're just talking now. No, that's you. Say something. No. It's fine. Stop complaining. Look, it's all fucked up there, though. It's just loud. Okay. It's just right, loud. Fine. It's fine. Whatever. Every, it's like how people like their memes nowadays. They play the music loud. Welcome to Chris Apocalypse, episode 191. I'm Matt, you're Ant. We're talking about stuff. This week, we're going to review a bunch of things. Ant's probably going to review Prey, spoilers. I'm going to review a bunch of stuff that no one gives a fuck about, but it's clearly important to moi, because I'm important to moi. So fuck you and your opinions, and Any news? Um, Jeffrey Epstein's dead. That's a shocker. What? No, it was ages ago. Oh, is it? Okay, I've been in a coma for the last two weeks. Uh, local paedophile's been released from prison. Yeah, you told me about that. So, what's going on with this guy? You saw him trotting towards town, like he owned the place. Well, no, he looked pretty miserable. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so that's good. We don't want. Our he's sex wearing offenders. shades. Don't want our sex offenders to be. But he was a he was a regular around Woking. If you were if you worked in Woking in retail, you you would have seen him around. Yeah. I did work in working in retail, but I was smart. I worked out over in uh, White Lone Walk. Not Doesn't White Lone Walk. What's the uh, place outside of town? It's not Woking. It's basically not Woking. No, it's Woking. That's like that one platform at Woking train station that's pretty much in oh, Shearwater. Down the end. Yeah, the one that's in Shearwater, pretty much. The one that actually goes to Shearwater. Does it, sure there's there's no train station in Oh, Shearwater. no, it goes to Byfleet. Uh, Byfleet. Yeah. Byfleet's not a real place. Anyway, and... Um, there hasn't really been much news. We've got a release date for uh, for Seth Rogen's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film that I didn't expect to ever actually happen. Is it just an animated thing? Isn't yeah, it? August yeah. next year. Have we got enough animated Teenage Mutant Turtle films going on right now? <laughs> Spoilers alert! I might be talking about one this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go first this week. There's no other news, is there? Anything else that you can well, think of? You make this stuff up all the time. Anything else that you can think of? I can't think. Beta Free got a release date. Uh, is it? I bought Steam Deck. No, oh, well, is that news? Yet. Is that news? Is it it's news to me? Yeah, is that news to you? No, I saw it on Kotaku. They were talking about how you bought a Steam Deck. Yep, yeah, yeah that's right. Famous Kotaku article: That cunt bought a Steam Deck. Yeah, <laughs> that cunt who buys everything games console wise bought a Steam Deck. We are recording this a week late because I went to a wedding. There's that's that's news. Last of Us remake is upsetting people because they've posted a comparison video between the remaster and the old one. Yeah, and people can't really see a difference. Did they put women in it? I mean. There were already women in The Last of Us. Oh, no. We can't see a difference. There's a massive difference. I've seen the thing. It's like, there's like zero difference. There is quite a difference. Really? You kids today and your inability to see what graphics are. You old people today and your inability to see everything. Shut yeah, up. Shut up. Shut up. Well, nothing else has happened, is it? I've got, got a Transformer. You bought a load of Transformers, and You constantly buy Transformers. And by the way, just because you transform them into a headless corpse doesn't mean that those sex toys are Transformers. What? <laughs> I'm going to go first this week, and yeah. I'm going to review a little game called Live Alive. Or Live a Life. Or Live a Live. Live Alive. Live Alive. But everyone always called it Live Alive. It's Live, live Alive. Live. I, I called it Live Alive before, but I wasn't sure when it was released, if that's right. Anyway, it's an RPG. and It's an old SNES RPG that didn't get released in the West, despite the fact that there were rumours that it had been completely translated. And now it's got that 2.5D treat that we love, like Octopath Traveler and Triangle Stratagi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Ogre's Tactics. You remember Ogre's Tactics? Tactics Ogre. Tactics Ogre. That's getting a remake. That's news. Yeah. Yeah, it's been released. Yeah. Are you excited about that? Yeah. 
You don't, you don't like that game? Yeah, I'm not fast. Anyway, the story of Live Alive, or Live Alive, or Live Alive-O, um, is that you play as several different characters in different time periods experiencing different small RPG stories, roughly between two to three hours each. And those stories build up into a greater narrative at the end. Spoilers, they do come together. I'm not going to say how, because I don't know yet. Because I haven't completed the well, game. Well, like when you've got... You take five lion bots and you form them together to make one big... Su- no, it's five? I was thinking more like one of those parties that you hear about on the, you see on the internet. Explain this to me, Ant. The- As you would a child. They, will the people come together? Like the Beatles? Like Bukake. Like a what? No, Bukake. Oh, Bukake. Yeah. Yeah. All oh, right. What do they do at these bukkake parties? What do they do, Ant? No, explain to us. Lovely young lady. What do do they do? You know the game Soggy Biscuit? No, tell me what Soggy Biscuit is. You know the game Soggy Biscuit? No, explain to me what Soggy Biscuit is. I mean, you don't want to play it. No, but explain to me what it is. That's where everyone does a bukkake on a biscuit. No, but what's a bukkake? You're not going into enough detail. I don't really understand what you mean. What you can Google it. You're using these things like... This is a family show, and you're... You're just... just, Savaging it. Is it is it an adjective a bukkake? Yes, yes. Or is it a no, noun? No, no, no. <laughs> Can you have a bukkake? Uh, is it an item that you is it a name or is it a doing word? <laughs> or is it a verb? I don't, know, I don't know what verbs are. Anyway, and what's bukkake? You're talking about live a life. No, but you were talking about bukkake. Yeah, yeah. Should I Google it? Should I read it out? What is this is this something you've done? You're looking up bukkake? Yeah, what what is it? Oh my god! Kids no, but today. explain to me what it is. I don't want to explain what it is. It's dumb. Oh, it's a noun. Yeah, <laughs> you can take ownership of it. Is it? Oh, sweet. Uh, you should. You should um, take it back. So it's it's uh, it's the practice of punishing women who had committed adultery in feudal Japan. What does that have to do with a bunch of people meeting in a house? Nowadays, it's a party though. Bunch of guys get together and they like to know. dash water, bukakaroo. Not really water. Splash or dash. Yeah, yeah, but not with water. It's comprised of two verbs, butsu and kakaroo. You, you're not going to Urban Dictionary. That's a butsu problem. literally means to hit, but in this usage, it appears to be an intensive prefix, as in butamajaru, completely mm-hmm. astonished, or buti buchi giri, overwhelming win. Kakaroo in this context means to shower or pour. So it's a shower. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So you, when you go and have a shower, that's technically you having a bukkake. Yeah, with a bunch of guys. <laughs> I don't know why you're so afraid to talk about this in more detail. Look, man, it's a children's show. It's a children's show. <laughs> it's a children's show where you're bringing up You're bukkake. supposed to be talking about your children's what video games. soggy biscuit you were talking about earlier? That's a similar thing, but it involves a biscuit. No, someone what? has to eat what? it. What do they do to and the when biscuit? when it's got the icing on it, when it's got the frosting on it. So they're making everyone... biscuits? Yeah, sure. Like your mum The biscuit's make. already made. You're, you're adding, you and some guys add the frosting. Like in school where you would like ice yeah, a biscuit. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you'd go so for DT and they'd yeah. be like, we've got some icing, we've got some biscuits, make some biscuits. Like Christmas ones. You put the green stuff on them. The little yeah, yeah, definitely. But you were talking about live edible alive. silver balls. <laughs> All right, yeah, I was talking about live alive. Anyway, you play as seven different characters in seven different time periods. They each have their own little RPG story. Some of them are, are completely different in the way that they operate, but for the most part, combat remains the same. So you enter a grid-based combat system where you have a, um, I think it's six by eight squares. 
Each character occupies a square and you can do entire... You can do moves that are weaker, but they affect the entire grid. Or you can do smaller focused attacks that can create tiles that are either fire or poison tiles and they affect the enemy over time. They also affect your player, so you have to be careful and sort of strategically use those. Um, it's really fucking good. It's really good, mate. Um, one of the things that's really interesting about it is the, the, the 3D, 2D, the sort of 2.5D isometric with 2D... 2D um, sprites design um, almost seems like it was the intention at all times, and I can imagine that. There's I mean, I'm be... pretty sure they intended when they were making this remake for it to look like that. It'd be a bit of a disaster if they messed up. No, no. What I'm saying back. is, it seems like if this game wasn't exactly as it is now, I can't um, imagine it being more effective. Like you should play the SNES game. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking, how would this play as a SNES game? Because there's a lot of stuff in there that's like really interesting, like revolutionary stuff. Like there's crafting in one of the stories, but not the others. Yeah. Like you have a caveman guy, and his whole chapter is completely without words. You just see like through facial cues, and like they have thought bubbles with specific items in. There's a character you can visit, and you give him two items, and he crafts you like a piece of armor or a weapon mm. based on what you hand him, and that is. Only using that 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 episode, and then another episode. You're a, you're a ninja trying to infiltrate infiltrate a warlord's ca- like compound, and and there's like little side stories in that where you're sneaking in the roof where they've got like a like a, a loft. You're sneaking around the loft, and there's traps and stuff that you can activate, and they only affect you. They don't affect you in combat. They only affect you in that environment, mm-hmm. and you can also stealth around. Like you have a thing where you can press a button. And like he's breaking the four four, he can he could sort of peel back the peel back the scenery and hide behind what he's peeled. Ah. So it looks like he's not there. Well, and you hold a button to hold. You sure it's not the ninja thing of having an like, invisibility cloak? No, they have ninjas do the thing where they have the fake wall that they hold up and hide behind. Maybe that's what it's meant to be. So it's like you're on the castle, you're <laughs> like that. Basically, that's what it is. But I, again, I can't imagine how that would work in the snow because it's quite. They'd have fl- like. Like you know, like they'd have the they'd glide in on the big square parachute things, yeah. And the back of them would be painted like the castle wall. So when they land, they go boom, face the castle wall. So from a distance, it just looks like the castle walls there. There's no person there. Clever. And they go, um, but yeah, and 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 other such things like the uh, cowboy, the cowboy episode. It's essentially a retelling of the Magnificent Seven, but with just one cowboy instead of seven. The original or the remake. The original. Oh, good. And instead of it being like the townspeople hire you to like gather up a group to fight back against these outlaws, instead what you do is you're hired to set a bunch of traps to try and take out as many of these angry cowboys that are visiting town as possible. And then you use that same battle system to kill the remaining few. What are they visiting town for? They're just trying to cause chaos and kill uh, people and rape women. They're not on holiday. No, not on holiday. Well, it might be on holiday. You never know. It might be a paid vacation. It might be a work holiday. Yeah. Who knows in those situations? Um, but yeah, all in all, really fucking incredible little game. Like, it's... Um, I've looked online, and I, I've i gone through quite a big chunk of each chapter. There is some extra shit in there if you do certain things, which is great. I'm looking forward to doing that. But 26 hours for a JRPG, you know... That's how long they used to be back yeah. in the day. None perfect, of this perfect million hours. Something. It's sort of it's it's the reason I went for this, and I wasn't so excited about Xenoblade Chronicles Three because that seems a bit bit too um, uncrackable to me at this point. I don't really think I could dive into something that's going to take well, hundreds of hours. Xenoblade games take forever to get started. Yeah, the only problem with them they're just too much it's of it. A tutorial. Too much. But yeah, all in all, um, 
Live Alive. Um, I think it's only like 30 quid. It's like a budget, budget price game. But it's so good. Really fucking good. And if you like Triangle Strategy or Octopath Traveler, it's, it is like a precursor to those, but in many ways bringing it forward to this new style and giving it some of those modern day, you know, um, like, um, what's it called? Uh, um, quality of life improvements makes it feel like it was a game made yesterday. It's, it's just fantastic. Even though I think that the majority of it did come from that SNES game, I think there's only small adjustments to what it does, um, which is really cool. And it's beautiful looking. Really like the way that it looks. Um, it's got that effect where it it sort of it gives um, almost like a portrait photo where the background's blurred, so the central character is in photo. Field. Depth of field. That's the word I was looking for. Um, bokeh depth. Bokeh. Bokeh. But um, it, it uses that, uses that really well to make the environments feel like you're looking at like a diorama almost. It's really, really cool. But yeah, really enjoying it. Does it have one of those buttons to make it look like the SNES game? Yeah, yeah. You press it and it goes, you're a cunt, stop pressing this button. And then you just keep playing the game. Because oh, you're, you're a cunt if you press that button in a game. Yeah, because yeah, it's a lot of work. It was enough work for them to make it 3D. It nev- you is, should appreciate it. There has never been a need for that to be included. Maybe. I liked it in Halo. I mean, yeah, a Monkey but, Island. Yeah, but all you do, it, Monkey Island, it makes sense because mm. the sprites were different entirely, and it's a two D game. It's like a it, the, the, there was a big difference between Monkey. But Halo, the only reason ever to press it in Halo is just to be like, oh, that's what it used to look like, and then you're back to the new one. Yeah, then you go, did it really look this bad? <laughs> oh God, I'm blind. No, it just looks this bad back in the day. No, I don't like. I'm I'm absolutely fine if you want that for music. Because, like, things like the old music is where you get that nostalgia from. But if you've got a game that's gone through these beautiful changes, things like that Wonder Boy and the Dragon's Trap game, where you go back to the Master System graphics and you press it, you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Is that block trying to kill me? What is this? Don't you disparage the Master System's... Get fucked. Classic art. Get wrecked. Fucking... Oh, uh, Live Alive. I'm going to give it to Tom Atkins. Really, really enjoying this, and I fucking love that combat system. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what they did it's in South Park. just they've chucked this on consoles and they still haven't released that um, Chrono Trigger. The sequel? Well, no, they did Chrono Trigger on... Um, Chrono Cross, was no, it? No, they did Chrono Trigger on PC a couple of years back, didn't oh. they? And they've not released it on any consoles. You know the one they released and they changed all the graphics and it looked like a mobile phone game graphics yeah, and everyone yeah. moaned? Yeah. So they patched it all out and they turned it back to the original SNES graphics eventually. Yeah, can you get that on phone and PC anyway? Yeah, but you can't get it on consoles. It's no. It's weird. Chrono Cross got released like at the start of the year, but it, you know it's not the best port. All right, well you're a viewer. Oh well, fuck, fucking you know. So you see, I've got UFO H. Like it says UFO. Fantastic. All right. Um. So I'll just do Star Trek: Deep Space Nine season five. Yeah, go for it. Star Trek: Deep Space Nine season five. The series from nineteen ninety eight. Hmm. Or say ninety eight. Yeah. No, ninety seven. Because the show finished in ninety nine. I think. No, no, I just know Cisco. Yeah, girl Cisco, the the guy song Fong song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. You're getting out your Let system now. Didn't he also abuse someone? But um, baby. So season five, the main the main drive of the plot is like in season four, the the founders have been trying to capture, trying to sneak their way into Klingon society to try and take over because that's what they do. They they sneak in, they they chuck a founder in, then they start you know <laughs> sowing civil unrest. Okay, but in season five, it starts off like the um, they find out that one of the changelings has taken the position of uh, 
General Gowron, the leader not, not Odo. of command of Gowron, the High Council leader of Klingon Empire. Not Odo. And so a bunch of the Star Trek guys go there dressed up in Klingon costumes. So you get like O'Brien with Klingon mm-hmm. stuff, and you know Cisco gets to be a Klingon for a bit, and he has a bit is of a that fun like time. Blackface. Yeah, in, in space it is. Yeah, but they acknowledge it's okay because they had a job to do. It's fine, oh, probably. Right. But um, they get there and, you know, they discover it wasn't Galron that's actually the changeling. It's Martok, the general, that was the right-hand man. Mm. And they, like, you know, just, he, he, like, you know, they they uncover it and they help the Klingons and that, like, makes the Starfleet and Klingon tension, you know, come a little bit closer to being over because they've been at war. But the Dominion are like, well, this is fucking bullshit. We need some other plan. So they side with the Cardassians, and that's where the series goes. It's the it start of the Cardassian War. Oh, Kim Cardassians. Yeah, the Kim Cardassians with the long necks and everything. So that's the base of the series is the the Federation rejoin reworking with the Klingons again, getting back together, and the Dominion starting the Cardassian War, which leads up to the end of the series where the Cardassians and the Dominion take over Deep Space Nine, and everyone has to abandon it apart from the Bajoran people they have to stay behind. Yeah. Because they're not part of the Federation and all that. Of course. So they can't. The Federation's like, you have to evacuate. Yeah, yeah, bastards. Quick, take the ship with all the secret tech on it. Don't leave it behind. So there you go. That's that's the overarching plot of the series. There was also the whole thing with Odo's, like, uh, not a changeling anymore at the start. But, like, about 12 episodes in, he gets, like, a little baby changeling. Because mm. um, that's what the Dominion do. They send, send baby changelings out into space to land on other planets. Yeah. So civilizations, like... What is this strange creature? We're going to raise it. Oh, it's some sort of amazing creature. And then eventually it's like, you know, they get information about other civilizations they can use against them. So they find one of these. And Nodo raises the baby. He starts trying to grow it and teach it how to change shape and stuff. Yeah. And he teams up with his, uh, the guy who looked at who raised him when he was a baby. Mm-hmm. When he was a baby changeling. And then the changeling, like, dies. It doesn't make it. It's not, it's not strong enough to survive. And it ends up. Ends up like Odo picks it up and he's like, "This is sad." The change is dying, and it disappears into his body and <laughs> and fixes what was wrong with Odo. The oh, stopping no. him from shapeshifting. It killed himself to make him better. Well, it just sort of unlocked it and fixed it because it turned out Odo Odo had thought they had completely changed him into a full solid, but what they'd really done is they'd locked away the part of his mind that allows him to control his shapeshifting. So he killed a baby to make himself better. Yes, yeah, okay, that's what you do. It's like, was this when stem cells were discovered? Probably. I mean, that's how you do it. That's how you, I mean, you just put the baby in you. Like, you haven't sacrificed a baby once in a this while. This week? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you got a parking ticket, sacrifice a baby. Yeah, you just shove it into the meter. Yeah. And then it pays the fine. Yeah. That's why it's called the meter. Put the meat in. Yeah, it's not called the mister. Well, it's Deep Space Nine's really good. It's great stuff. There's some really standout episodes. The um, Looking for Parmac in All the Wrong Places, classic comedy episode. Where, um, like... They look for Parmac. Parmac is the Klingon word for love. Oh. Yeah. And this whole episode's like... So no fine girls, just ugly faces. Yeah. <gasps> Odo's... Quark wants to get back in the good books of this Klingon woman that he was briefly married to for legal reasons. And he wants to he wants to make a try of it and see if he can get a date with her. So Worf gets drawn into helping what him out. What comes next? Hey, bust a move. Worf, Worf tries to help him out, yeah. teach him how to seduce a Klingon woman and he gets really invested in it and in the process he realises maybe I like this Jadzia Dax lady who keeps punching me what are you doing stop what are you doing you were saying no fine girls just ugly faces no I didn't I didn't say anything sorry Um, but that's a fun episode and the one where no what I said okay yeah 
And there's another one which is really good where they have to go to Empoknor, the other, which is another Cardassian space station. Oh, okay. That's like, you know it's all run down stuff. It was abandoned completely. Mm-hmm. And you know it's all run down stuff because it's like lopsided in space. Yeah. Which, I mean... Bad sign. I mean, well, if... I mean, space, isn't it? Everything's lopsided in one way or another. Nothing's... There's no... What's the right way up in space? Up. How'd you point up? You well, you have a nautical compass. It's powered. So, I mean, everything in the galaxy follows the nautical compass. Is gonna is gonna level out the same level. Yeah. Yeah. Use a sextant. Yeah. Yeah. Use a sextant. But anyway, they go to a the other station. Sextant. They go to the other station. They take Garrick with him, mm-hmm. the Kardashian guy, because yep. he's like he can disarm he can disarm traps and stuff. And Kardashians love the Kardashians. Leaving, they love leaving traps. Yeah. Um, but they get on there and they find there's these like genetically engineered Kardashians who are like they got some drug shit in them that turns them into psychopaths. And Garak ends up touching some of it. It was like a like a fluid that they were contained in. Yeah. And it starts making him go a bit nutty. So it's skin-based. So anyone could have thrown this on them, caused them to go nutty, and they're yeah, going yeah. like, they're nuts. Yeah. But it makes them want to kill anyone that's around. But that doesn't sound very fair, does it? Well, that's the thing. They just leave them on the station so that if anyone goes to the station, they'll be woken up and they'll just start killing whoever's on board. If you splash me with liquid that turned me into a psychopath, I'd be very upset with you. Yeah. Not just because the liquid... But because you threw it at me. Yeah. Well, Garak just puts his hand on it. It's someone that's like... Because it was like a fluid that they were contained in. Oh, it's like when someone sticks gum under the table. And he puts his hand on it. And he doesn't know what it is. But it makes Garak go, like, murderous. And so the the crew, the Deep Space Nine crew that went over there, have to try and, you know, survive the guys who are trying to kill them. They've unleashed Garak on him, thinking this will deal with it. Yeah. And then Garak's like, I'm going to kill you as well, O'Brien. Really good episode. Little nog. And a whole bunch... What's that word? Nog. It's Quark's, Quark's, Quark's nephew, Rom's son. Oh, okay. I don't Ferengi. like that word. Little Ferengi. He died a while ago. The guy who plays him, Marin Eisenberg. Oh, no. Yeah. They put a spaceship in Discovery that was named after Nog. Oh. And there was a USS Eisenberg. Stop saying as well. that word. What, Nog? <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a bad word, doesn't no, it? No, only if it has a hard R at the end of it. <laughs> it's okay when it doesn't have that. Nogger. Yeah. <laughs> He's a business kid. He'll do businesses and stuff because he's a Ferengi. <laughs> so, you know, don't leave your bike unlocked. What's like a slur in the Star Trek universe? I don't know, it depends on the race, I suppose, doesn't it? You know? But like, do they ever, like, confront that? Because they like, did a lot of social issues in Star Trek. So I yeah. imagine there must have been well, one. Well, there was that time Abraham Lincoln was on board and he called um, Uhura uh, 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 um, an N-word. Really? Yeah. And then he was like, oh, sorry... I forget that times have changed here, and he's doing the thing with his suspenders. Oh, yeah, because that gets him out of trouble. Because it was Abraham Lincoln that actually picked up Abraham Lincoln from the past. <laughs> he went back in time. And he's like, oh, I forgot times changed they out. Get him, they got him I'm after, so sorry. They got him after Ben and 10, where his Uhura, rates went down a bit. Uhura is like, you died this week. Uhura's like, um, don't worry, that word has no meaning nowadays in our advanced future, because we're so advanced, racism's been stopped. But it's okay, because it's just said it on a 60s show. But wait, racism wasn't stopped then. It is in the future, though. Oh, right. In the future. They're saying in Star Trek future, which is why Picard's so terrible, because there's lots of space racism in it, and the Federation Spacism. and the Federation make policies on it. Spaces which is the why final frontier. bad. But Deep Space Nine is a freaking fantastic These show. These are the racists of the Starship. You're distracting people. Sorry. Deep Space Nine is a fantastic show. Really good. Lots of Quark episodes, lots of Odo episodes this series, because, you know, Quark, Quark always gets loads of episodes. 
Like Armin Shimmerman's a freaking legend. Like mm. freaking great stuff. Bit more Garak episodes. I love Garak. Garak's great. I think they mostly had a lot of episodes with him in because those teeth must have been fucking horrendous to wear all the time. He's just he's just a Frangi guy. He's just he's a Frangi like trying to make his way. He gets his um his license to do business with the Frangi commerce agency back because he lost it. Yeah. Um. His mum starts dating the Grand Nagus, who's the guy who runs Fregnar. Yeah. Um. What he doesn't realise is that is he he bricks he splits them up because he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the idea of the Grand Nagus dating his mum. Yeah, of course. And it turns out his mum's been doing all his business stuff behind the scenes <gasps> and helping shape the policy of the planet. And the planet starts shooting towards a recession because Quark broke up his mum and the Grand Nagus. Stop! Help. Look, you gotta let grannies bang. Yeah. Don't stop those well, grannies banging. It's because women aren't allowed to do business on Fregna. What? They're not allowed to do business in Fregna culture. Because the um, women are there to be servants and I stuff. They don't have the lobes. Racism. Not the Frengies. The Frengies aren't part of the Federation. Oh, they're just super racist. Yeah. yeah. They've got all sorts of sexism. They've got to work out. all over the world. But that's one of the things that runs through Deep Space Nine is Quark. Racism. Quark and his brother Rom gradually unlearn a load of the, the sort of worst parts of Ferengi culture and sort of become better people for it. Better than who? point where in Series 6, Quark's instrumental... In the rebellion against the Cardassians. Better than who? If you were to rate better than who the they different are. races... Better than, better than themselves. Improving themselves. Oh, that's nice. That's a good yeah. way of putting it. I like that way of putting it. Yeah. It's less problematic than your other way of putting it. But they're... Well, I mean, <laughs> problematic was how they depicted the Ferengi when they first appeared in the show. <gasps> what did they do? Um, well, they mentioned them being like traders and business and capitalist... Uh-oh. People, I feel anti-Semitism's on its way, and they got quite big noses. Oh no! And they would bounce around the place like fleas, and they were always like, rah, 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 business quack. Ah, okay, I see. I see where you're going. Humans. Maybe. They were very like weird. They yeah. they made them out to be like. Imagine White if people. if cavemen were doing business. They were like, you know, barely functional people who only who only knew how to trade coin. Yeah. You get ship if I get coin. Like that sort of person. What do you buy? Yeah. But <laughs> they made him they made him better. And Quark was one of the first the guy who plays Quark Arm Shimmer was one of the first Rengi, but he's different Rengi. Because you know they come back all the time. You get actors coming back all over the place. Like Jeffrey Combs in this series. Is he a Ferengi? No, he plays well, he plays a Ferengi called Brunt, who's the like the tax man for the Ferengis. He has to investigate everything and to make sure they're not doing bad things. Are you sure this isn't an anti-Semitism? He's well, they're, they're a business operator. They've got lots of gold. So they got lots of gold, <laughs> do they, Anne? But they, they did their best to make it less racist, but it was a, it was a Gene Roddenberry thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, Wasn't he friends with L. Ron Hubbard? Possibly. I mean, psychopaths. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard's a crazy person. But um, Brunt also plays Wayoon, who's the one of the, uh, the Vorta. The water. They they command the Dominion's armies, and he's like a slimy used car salesman type character, like always trying to say the right thing, you know, always trying to get with people's good graces, flatter them, and all that sort of stuff, to manipulate them into doing what he wants them to do. But um, his first Wayun gets killed, and then he comes back as another Wayun because they're, they're clones, so you get a different one all the time. Season six has Iggy Pop as a water, which is pretty great. Love Iggy Pop. I've seen that picture where he's got the rubber neck. Yeah. It's got no neck. It's great. It's great. Ricky Pop, freaking legend. That's in season six. That's another one where they go to Empok Noor. Second, second Empok Noor episode. But no, season five of Deep Space Nine is fantastic stuff. Kids should watch it because um, 
Yeah, it sounds like they need to really catch up on that anti-Semitism. They, they did their best to whittle that out. All right. They they made the Ferengi just generally outdated mentalities. Yeah. To say capitalism is a bad thing. But you like it when Quark make, gets a win, when he makes some profit. Because a real hero makes profit. Or do they? All right, cool. All right, is it my review? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I was just trying to, you know, trying to. No, I liked it. I liked what you did. I liked what you did. It was good. It was good, mate. You did a good job. Don't you worry. You did a good job. You got nothing Quark's to worry. Quark's a real about. hero. I want a t-shirt of Quark. Yeah, of it. course. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I get a t-shirt? Just with a Quark t-shirt on? that says Quark did nothing wrong. I want a picture of Quark. Yeah. Yeah. Quark in it easy. No, Quark. What? <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to review Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Movie. Which has been released on Netflix this week, same day as we got Prey and Thirteen Lives and Sandman. We also got Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Too movie. much people. People probably didn't watch this because a lot of people don't like the animation style for this, but I actually do kind of like Rise it. Rise of the Teenage Mutant Turtles is great. Serious people are weirdos for not yeah, watching. Yeah, people it. people don't like it, but uh, I I genuinely I've really enjoyed it, and this movie. Spoilers, everyone. This movie's fucking great. So, uh, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, the series itself, um, it skews a little bit from the traditional Turtles narrative. In this, they're still teenagers. Splinter's still their leader, although Splinter is like a... He's he's designed so he's a scrawn... He's a dumpy little dude. He's still a ninja. He still knows martial arts, but he's like a very short, stout rat. Nice nipple. <laughs> um, and the Turtles themselves, they have that teenage attitude where they're all... Trying to kind of be the leader, trying to come up with ideas. Wait, they're teenagers with attitude. Yeah, basically. Like the Samurai Pizza Cats. No, they're fucking Power Rangers. Love you Power fucking... Rangers. Sorry, Jesus sorry. Christ. Um, so basically, they're all trying to be the leader, and this this leads to a key being stolen by the Foot Clan when they're trying to uh, stop stop the leaders of the Foot Clan, which isn't Splinter, uh, not Splinter, Shredder, who's who's been dispatched already. Shredder was taken out in the series. Um, but the Foot Clan still remains. They're still up to their own, their old tricks. And they're stealing a key, which, unbeknownst to the Turtles, will open up a dimensional rift, allowing the Krang, mm. who we know as Krang from the, the original series. The whole race is... Yeah. Yeah, they're all, the, they're all Krangs. Yeah, the, the brainy thing with tentacles that sits <laughs> in the robot. Um, it will allow Krang to enter our world. Yeah. All right? So the Foot Clan, they perform a ceremony which opens up this portal. They let the Krang in. And sadly, it's now up to the Turtles, minus Raphael, who gets captured in the original Krang entrance to our reality, to stop the Krang from taking over the world. I think it will turn out to be quite helpful that Raphael got captured and he's going to do something good. It actually doesn't. It does hinder them towards the end, but we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. Now, um, in the original series, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a lot of people were upset because April O'Neil's black. Because the internet's a weird place. It's a weird, the the internet's a weird place, but they wanted April O'Neil from the the TV show that they remember because they weren't real fans of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, But yeah, April O'Neil was back. They're fans of racism. There was no Casey Jones. Oh. Which is a surprise. But he's in this. So Casey Jones. He's going to be in the series later. They they said the next series would have had Casey Jones. That's kind of what this movie is. It's like a truncated version of the series because instead of having a season long arc where they're sort of fighting the crane for control of New York. This is just a very quick, like, hour and a half movie in which they, they challenge the crane, who in this are incredibly formidable, even without their robot suits. Yeah. So they're like, they are designed a bit more like the aliens from Simpsons, so they're bigger. 
They're so tendrils. it's not the aliens from the tendrils. 100%. It's the cheese Their tendrils, aliens. Tendrils are very quick and they can be used to to stop attacks. So they're like obviously six arms, six tendrils. They're able to fight back against the turtles quite easily, and which is why Raph is captured in the beginning. So Casey Jones has come back from the future where Leonardo and Michelangelo are fighting the Krang, trying to prevent an apocalypse level event, but they are losing. Humanity is almost entirely gone, and there are these horrible mutant monsters roaming the place. Cut to the Krang getting out, and we see the beginning of that apocalypse. So essentially, the Krang have the ability to grab people and sort of siphon off a little bit of their gooey, extra-dimensional evil into that person and change them into these monsters. So there's a bit of body horror in there. Sweet. And there's actually some really cool shots. There's a moment where they travel to a building. It's the Baxter Stockman, the big lab he has. They the Baxter building. The Baxter building, yeah, from the Fantastic Four. They've decided uh, that they're going to turn it into a massive pool so they can drag the Technodrome through. And to do that, they need to make this big organic gate. And so they, they suddenly appear in this building and they start dragging people. And there's loads it's of really nice little of... nods to horror movies. Like this one person gets a gets a tendril wrapped around their leg and they get pulled and they land on the ground and they've got their nails and they're doing the nail thing. You've got another person who's running towards the door. They're about to make it to the door and then a tendril hits them in the back and they slap against the door and you see the hand slide down. Yeah. And um, and the, the actual mutations as well, they're pretty creepy because they go in like vines. And then you get like these these tenderly like appendages, and some people get like veins running up all over their faces. It's really cool, and it does push the boundaries of what I would consider a PG film. It's almost like an eight. It's like seeing an eighties film again. You know where they would often say shit, and they'd skirt the line a little bit. They'd like yeah. be just. It'd be like. Does being, Raphael say shit? No. Oh. Um, but uh, April O'Neil does give the finger to the Technodrome. Oh. With the buildings like she gives the finger. It's really funny. Oh, edgy. <laughs> but yeah, so basically the tales have to come together. They have to realise who they what, are. At the same time? What, 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 was, what was that in response to? And said come together. Yeah. What would that be called? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Tales have to, have to join back up and they have to use their combined power and they have to realise that they are they are together and this Leonardo learns a, a very important message about being the leader and what that means because he's often running off and trying to be the hero rather than the leader. And he thinks that being the leader means you're the strongest, you're the fastest, you're the first about, and that's not always the case. Sometimes you do need to take a step back. And uh, and there is the final fight in this is some of the best animation I've seen in many many years when it comes to two D animation, not like a three D Pixar style fucking thing, like two D animation. There is a fight between him and Krang where he basically just forces himself into their into their um, world to fight Krang, and Krang by that point is in this alien like bodysuit, this armor. And flying about the place and he has these knives. It's a bit like Super Shredder, but life and fast and terrifying. And he has this single red eye that sort of like appears behind Leonardo as he's trying to escape. And he has this battle. And the whole battle, he is just on the back foot. He isn't able to really make a move to sort of challenge Krang. And you see him, him. you see him looking at the picture that his future version has drawn a picture of this key to try and give him a hint as to what they're looking for. He looks at this picture and he just sees his family and he just holds it and he just accepts death. He's like, fuck it. I've sacrificed myself. I've saved my family. They're the important thing. You know, losing me isn't going to lose, you know, they're all still alive. And then they... Yeah, they'll be fine without him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a really nice... It's almost like it's almost like they went further than the Avengers went with their whole ending where Iron Man's like, I've learned to sacrifice myself and he's able to missile up. It's like that, but, you know, it's it's a little bit more meaningful. It's It's a little bit more impactful because there is... A genuine threat. He's not going to come back. Whereas in Avengers, they like give you like a second where you see him speed up as he gets towards the wormhole. They're like, maybe he won't make it, and then he suddenly goes just straight down towards the wormhole. 
in that film. I rewatched it recently. It's quite funny. Like, I don't know how anyone would ever think he wasn't going to just land back in New York. Um, but yeah, really, really good. Rise of the Teenage Ninja Turtles. A massive treat. Something I wasn't expecting to come out. I only found out a couple of weeks ago. And I said to you, I'm, I'm going to watch this. It looks cool. The trailer had some of that body horror stuff in there. Mm. And like I said, when we watched, when, when I watched He-Man, I really enjoyed the fact that there was that like more horrific element to that, you know, like with the robot people and the way that the, the nanotech stuff. Yeah. I liked that. I thought that was cool. And again, that reminded me of when I was a kid watching stuff like you, you, you watch horror movies you're not meant to watch and you watch PG films. And sometimes they were violent. Sometimes they did have blood and gore. And nowadays it seems very sanitized in comparison. So it's nice to see like those horror know, elements creeping that, back into kids' films. They did Casino Royale and Bond got his balls whacked in. That was a 12, though. It wasn't a PG. Uh, there isn't really PG films anymore. No, that's what I mean. Like, there's no, nothing that They're all 12s that now. Pardon? They're all 12s now. All 12As. Yeah. But yeah. well, Bumblebee was a PG. Was it? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, very rare. Uh, but yeah, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja It's It's not the perfect film, and a lot of people are going to hate that art style, and there's a lot of racists that don't like April and being black. Um, but uh, but really fucking enjoyable. If you give it just if you give Fuck it just them racists. if you give it just ten minutes, you see that there is there is a lot of stuff to enjoy here, especially if you're a Tales fan. Because like when I was a kid, don't know about no, you. The series is great. People yeah. freaking right off. Some of the some of the action sequences is like they're just doing Jackie Chan style fight yeah. sequences. Especially they they lose they like have like a mystic power thing in the series where they've all unlocked like this this next thing and. Mikey's one is his nunchucks can extend, so he can make like his big like um, inferior chain sort of things. Raph's is he can make like a bigger projection of himself, like a big like suit that he's he's inside of. Donnie has like his staff; he can like imagine tech on the end of his staff that wouldn't be there normally. So like rocket powered like staffs and stuff. Dildos. It's like an a- anime style thing. And Leo has probably the best power is his swords. He can throw his sword, and if he focuses on it, a bit like Gambit, if he throws his sword, it powers out with energy. But instead of exploding. He can teleport to where a sword is. Uh, and really incredible fights. They they come with so many really cool ideas to use that in. Especially stuff like with Mikey's chain and stuff, you'd expect it to just be like they wrap around enemies and things like that. But in the final fight where part of New York has been transferred into the other dimension, there's a scene where he's like hitting the enemy with one end and the other end he's like wrapping around a building. So you see him like going around and around and then he hits the enemy with it and then like you just see it and he's like, the enemy's just looking, and then you see this building with like these orange chains around it being flung towards him, just in zero gravity. The enemy's just like jumping through the building as it travels towards him. It's just no. such a fucking what interesting shot. At the end shot. of the second um, Teenage Mutant Turtles film, Out of the Shadows, oh, where well, the, the Ken and machine's the, being built, and the Technodrome's being built. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. What are you doing now? Nothing. I was just looking at a message. Oh, yeah, looking at a message um, on your near watch. enough. Near enough, a perfect film. Like, if you're a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, as I said, ten minutes into this, you'll love these characters. You'll know exactly who they are. You'll know who they, you root for and who you like. And all of the actors in this are established great actors that've been on the shit. You've got people like um, you've got the what's his face from American Pie was one of the voices, wasn't he? Oh, Jason Biggs. That was in the that and that was in the three D one from two thousand four. So you've got Ben Schwartz. You've got Josh oh, Brenner. Sure, sorry. You've got Ben Schwartz is, is Leonardo. Then you've got Josh Brenner, who's Donatello, who was the uh, big head from from um, Silicon Valley. You've got Brandon Michael Smith, Michelangelo, who was the the rapper kid from um, from uh, You're the Worst. You've got Haley Joel Osment plays Casey Jones, does a great job. Um, and you've got, oh yeah, Rice Darby has a cameo as Hypno, Hypnopotamus. Hippopotamus, my rhyme must be bottomless. <laughs> and Omar Benson Miller is Raphael. And Omar Benson Miller is someone that I didn't recognise, but he's been literally in everything for years. Like, he is one of those people that you recognise when you see him, but he's been doing so much shit for years 
Oh, no, it was the 2012 Tales series that Jason yeah, Biggs did yeah. voice on. And it also had, um, what's his Leonardo. name, uh, Doctor Who. Doctor Who? Yeah, the Scottish guy, what's his name? David Tennant. There you go, David Tennant was the uh, robot when they had the Triceratons stuff. Triceratons, what? Triceratons, the um, the aliens. Um, but yeah, if you get the chance, sit down, hour and a half. If you've got kids, this is probably perfect to watch for kids. Although, as I said, it's got a few horror elements in there that might be a bit spooky. Um, but if your kids are anything like I was at back of that age, it's great. It's just fun. It's nice to be scared sometimes. Or at least that's what their uncle tells them when he tucks them in a bed and you're not there. Anyway, I'm going to give this... I'm going to give this Kate Blanchett. It's near enough perfect. Near enough perfect. Kate Blanchett. In fact, if I was going to say anything, I'm going to review something else that has quite a bit of action in it later, and the action in this is much clearer than it is in another film that I'm pretty sure was intended for a cinema release, so that's going to be interesting to talk about. Geographically, amazing how well you know where each person is in each scene. Often in like animated things, they just go, we'll do whatever we can, but like knowing where everyone is in relation to a fight is such a... Like a Jackie Chan, like you mentioned Jackie Chan, mm. like Jackie Chan Adventures. That series, you knew so you knew so much about where people you were. See, and what was Jackie going Chan on. Adventures was in Better Call Saul this week. Was it? Yeah, some guys were watching it on TV. I'm waiting until the last episode's on, and I'm going to binge it because uh. I, I I didn't do that with the last series, and I sort of just I I forgot for a couple of weeks. So this time, I'm just going to watch it all in one chunk, like a big movie. Big dumb fuck, you'll be there for hours. I know. You won't take any of it. In. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a big old pizza. I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna watch all my better. That's my pizza. You should have pizza next time when I watch. Better I don't Cousin. want any money. How good was the ending to the midway, the mid season? Just seeing that guy get capped in the head. I felt Spoilers so fucking for bad Call for Saul. him. Anyway, your review, Ant. Well, I watched Scream Five. Oh, cool! The film where Jack Quaid stars as the killer. Yeah. Um, everyone gets angry when you say that. As if there's not plot twistery going on. Oh no, yeah, like it's very clear in the beginning. They mention the fact that it's always the boyfriend. Yeah, good old Jack Quaid. He's in stuff. Yeah, he looks a lot like um, like if Manny Griffiths and Dennis Quaid had a baby. No, it looks like if you took a five-year-old, drew stubble on him, and stretched him out. You don't think he looks like if Melanie Griffith no. and Dennis Quaid had a baby? No, no. You, you mean Meg Ryan? Meg, what? Same thing. <laughs> is it Meg Ryan or is it Melanie Griffith? It's Meg Ryan. I'm sure it's Melanie Griffiths. No, Meg Ryan. I'm sure you're wrong. Oh, do you want, should we Google this? Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan. Anyway, Scream Five. It's the it's the re sequel, the free re the seek boot, whatever you're calling it. Skeet Ulrich's back for a bar. So they they're trying to refresh. Oh, thingy. weird. Meg Ryan. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Melanie Griffith. Fuck yourself. So there's. Do you remember when Meg Ryan got naked in that one film? It was good that Into the Cut. Yeah, good for her. Into the figure. Um, Scream Five. There's like a killer. Scream Scream guys around again. Stab guy. What they call him? Ghostface. Yeah. There's a no. There's a reboot of stab happening. Yeah. At the same time, the victims affected indirectly by the original uh, Scream films. Uh, so family members of victims and family members. Of yeah, family he's members. just stabbing people. Whatever, he just wants to stab people. He travels yeah. about a lot. He gets a, they, everyone gets about quite a lot. So, girl comes to town. She's a new character. The whole bunch of new characters in it, but importantly, they they get some of the old characters back because you got to bring the legacy characters back, haven't you? You got to bring the legacy oh, characters back. Right. As soon as I saw him, I was like, "This is Scream." Yeah. Um. Even. Skeet Ulrich. What? 
skewering. Oh, yeah, 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 whatever. But they get Dewey and... David Arquette? Yeah, David Arquette and what's-her-face, Neve Campbell, <laughs> and um, what's-her-face from Friends. Yeah, what's her name? Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> no, what's her name? David Schwimmer. No, what's her name? Chandler Bing. <laughs> so no one told you life was gonna be this way. Meg Ryan. Smelly cat. <laughs> So they bring, they, those cars come back because they feel like they have to be there now and they demand money for it. Um, I like the fact that um, Nev Campbell, her Sydney Prescott, that character is all over the fucking shop if you watch these films pretty quickly, one after the other. Because she starts off being like... She really likes killing people. She does now, yeah. She's really into her and after, Gail just like after well into it. Three where she's like, she's like, it's quite bad. This keeps happening. And then like Scream 4, she's like, I fucking cap a motherfucker. Yeah. And then this one, she's like, shoot them all. <laughs> just yeah, kill, kill everyone. Kill them all. Um, so I watched Screen Four a few months ago, and I quite like Screen Four. It's good. I fun. think it's a good film. Yeah, yeah. Screen Five's good. I like Screen Five. It was fine. I was really entertained yeah. by this. There's only one scene I don't like, um, and that is a scene involving Dewey in which he's lifted off the ground like he weighs nothing. He does weigh nothing. I know for a fact David Arquette is like double the weight of both of us. Yeah, but he's the, he's like pure the person muscle. lifting him up is very very strong. Even though he's dumpy, he is like pure muscle. Jack Quaid's in that scene, so it wasn't Jack Quaid lifting him up off the floor. <laughs> no, it's like a five foot four. Like, yeah, that's okay. It's the way they do it as well. Look, David Arquette's a wrestler, so he knows how to sell. <laughs> so, yeah. so he sells being lifted oh, off the floor. I'll get retired. It's okay. Well, everybody knows as soon as you pop the heart with two knives, mm. everybody gets lighter. But um, no, it's oh, it's it's just a fun time. It's typical. I mean, it's typical stuff. They try to do the whole thing where it's like, you know, oh, it's a new rules and stuff. Anyone could be the bad guy. No, it's the boyfriend. It's the same thing. I um, felt that I felt that Scream Four lacked a lot of the brutality that we got in this one. Like Scream Four, probably the most brutal kill is um, is Anthony Edwards getting it in the ear. Yeah, was, and he still swings, and he's like, we've got no imagination it. when it comes to knives nowadays. Yeah. But this, there's a lot more. There's a lot more fun shit with this, especially like mm. Dewey fighting back is actually a really good scene. The lights flickering and everything. Like he shouldn't have gone back. Build. He's like, I'm he, going to yeah. shoot him in the head. Well, he thought he was going back to save someone. Yeah, but he should. It's should Dewey. Dewey, you dumb fuck. But um, but, one of the uh, things that I like about this as well is that they they aren't afraid to embrace the silliness. Like I do mm. like the fact that one of them is suffering from mental health issues. Mm seeing her dad in the mirror and like everybody's like you're the villain and she's like I like killing people but only bad people she didn't know what her dad looked like yeah that's the thing I found for um, in fact he looked just like he did the screen yeah they should have there's this there does seem to forget about all the other teenagers for like half an hour of the film yeah until they get to a party later because none of those are given any real information but they're, they're there to get just enough character so when they die you're like oh no no um they had twins, and one of the twins got stabbed, but the other one didn't feel it. That's what you should have done. Oh, I had them feeling each other's pain. Yeah. She should have been like, what? Something's going on. This feels bad. Where's my twin gone? Oh, my tummy. Because that's, that's rules of movie. Twins can, like, a psychic in movies. Yeah. Yeah, they messed up there. That would be something the critical drinker will say, wouldn't it, in his review? Who? You know that racist twat? Is he racist? Racist and sexist twat. Oh. Yeah, but he, he um he'd say something like everyone knows that twins can feel each other's pain, so it's really bad storytelling. That's just a theory that they didn't a racist theory that she didn't feel her twins' pain and they lost. Everybody knows that women know when other women know menzies. He's a freaking weirdo loser. Imagine making your entire gimmick that you drink. 
I mean, fucking, you have a gimmick. Oh, I've got to rant about films for hours. Oh, I'm drinking. Oh, I'm drinking. Ain't I edgy? Fucking. I mean, he's not even drinking, you know. Yeah, he's got an alcohol problem. He needs to sort it out. Yeah, his alcohol problem is he's an arsehole. It's probably going to be like that. What's that? Who's that? Do you remember that guy who used to be on the um, nostalgia critic videos and stuff? The quarter. He used to be part of all that stuff, <laughs> and he turned out to be a paedophile. They found out after he died. Oh, he, so died. he died. Yeah, the big fat guy. Oh, let me have a look. Um, pedo nostalgia critic. <laughs> nostalgia critic's not a pedo, but there was one other guy. Doug Walker, Robin Michael. There was a guy who worked with him. I can't remember his name. Uh, Predator protecting upper management of Channel Orson. Yeah, there's all there's all sorts of stuff of Channel Orson. Oh, Doug. Doug's Doug's fine. Doug He's Walker. just a, just he a loser. To groom a female individual who just turned eighteen. Maybe, probably. Who knows? I mean, you think it's, it's not Doug. him though. But one of the ones no, died. No. He was on their channel all the time. Channel Orson death. Anyway, Scream Five. It's fine. It's decent stuff. Pretty typical. People get stabbed. Jew Wario. Jew. Yeah, there you go. That's the guy. I mean, how can you not tell he's a racist from a fucking name like that? But I remember when everyone was really sad when he died, and about six months later, I was like, wait, what? And then all the stuff what, so came out. What's this about Wario now? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I retract my former statement. But no, it's fine. It's pretty typical stuff. Um, I do think, because you know there's a whole thing recently where they're making Scream 6, aren't they? And Neve Campbell, they don't want her back for it. No, she I said don't... she doesn't want to come back. Well, no, didn't they? She complained about it, didn't she? That she's not well, going to be in that, it. She said that it's done. She said that yeah. it's done. They don't know. She doesn't know why they're making another one. Oh, well, she can go on without her. Fuck it. Oh yeah, of course it can. I don't know. I think it's kind of done. I think we're done with Gail and. Yeah, I mean, like that by this the point. most entertaining part of this was seeing Dewey come back. If I'm yeah. really honest, Everyone like Dewey. As, as much as like I like Gail. Maybe we're back and in the next one. Sydney. It didn't make sense for Gail and Sydney to come back. They just wanted to be there, though, because they're... Yeah, I know, because their family members were involved, and with Gail, it was because she wanted the story. She had moved to New York no, at that point. she's really concerned, because... It just didn't make a lot of sense, no, and I okay. think that, like, Dewey had the most character-wise, and that's kind of why you could tell he wasn't going to live to the end. Spoiler! Oh, shit, oh yeah, my so God. You already gave away who the fucking killer was. Um, but yeah, like, you could tell that he, something was going to happen to him, because he had closure, he had build-up to the story, he was talking to people, and they were, like, actual character growth to him yeah but it's the big film it's the next screen film so you've got to bring all the legacy characters back so they can all come together and help defeat the villains I was about to say why they bring back Lee Schreiber but he died and free didn't he yeah yeah that's a shame he was a good character did they kill Lance Henriksen in the third one I can't remember yeah they did yeah because yeah. he turned out to be the guy who raped Sydney's mum to make they should do a screen movie that's set in a world where only the scary movies exist but Scream doesn't <gasps> and laws of so the so scary movie lie. So the scary movie films aren't based on screen. I'd like them. I would like them to just do one where, like, maybe make Scream Three, where they are doing a stab reboot or a stab sequel, or whatever, and it's just it is just some desperate director trying to make this dog shit movie seem relevant by killing off part of the cast after they've done their shoot. You got to do the um, the sequel that because now they've done the sequel that's just got the same name as the first one with Scream Five. It's just Scream, isn't it? Yeah. Um, they need to do the sequel that's got a different name to the rest of the franchise. Six Cream. Well, they can't. With they'll, they'll do they'll do Ghostface or something. You know, like how we got Spiral after the Saw films. Yeah, yeah, like that. Let's like get a sequel. What? Yeah. I still haven't seen it. Have you not? No. You know what? Not totally awful. No. But not good either. It, yeah, well, it's rock. just straight down the line. Chris Rock and I'm a serious detective. Like, it is. It is straight down the line. Like the problem is that everybody gets really upset when movies are just blur. Like the Grey Man, like all that shit. It's just popcorn movies where it's just blah, straight down the line. 
but people get really hung up on their shit outside of the film they've just watched and they go it's amazing it's the best film ever and then like they go oh no it's the worst film no one just goes you know what it was just fine nobody just does that anymore no it's got to be the worst film ever she's going to bring that back I'm just going to says you who rates actors actors I like and then explain why they've received that rating I'm sorry if I justify my decision why can't you use a normal rating system like Paul Ross and his pork pies and hats and totes what's he he use these days look I'm not a cunt I don't care do you think Jonathan Ross invites Paul Ross to the family parties I think Jonathan Ross is a cunt (laughs) wasn't he transphobic until his daughter told him he was transphobic and then he was like I'm sorry I'm not transphobic anymore he can't say it why because it's got an R in it That's that's why I didn't pronounce the R Jonathan Ross is one of those people that like he's, he's he's just very strange. He's trying to be a good guy, I think. You know, he's just Is he? I think so, you know, and he likes he, he you know, his wife's more successful than him technically, but she makes a lot of money, doesn't she? Yeah, she writes movies. Cost costuming as well, wasn't she? No, she wrote movies, didn't she? She wrote um kick and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Jane Did she direct Stardust actually? No. Who was it that directed Stardust? Um your your face. That's why I got that check last week. Anyway, Scream 5. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I've seen worse. Yeah. I've seen worse. Yeah. Haven't you? Haven't yeah. you? Yeah. 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 Absolutely cunny. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm in such a mood. It's because it's hot. Oh, mean it's to gross. me. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Uh, my next review is going to be 13 Lives. It was, re- it was released on Amazon on Friday. Same day as they released Prey and Sandman. And The Rise of the Tangent Digitals, they released 13 Lives. You don't have to watch all these things. Shut up, Anne. <laughs> I don't tell you how to waste your precious time on this planet. So don't you tell me I'm a cunt and say that I need to listen to you. And what was I saying? Yeah. Why have we got a flag? Because it's his flag. Oh, right. Because he's the... He does the... Um... Because it's all race themed, the toy line they're doing. They got a racing car, and he's the oh right, racing cars. He's the guy who does the. I thought you bought like off. I thought you bought like fucking the third Riker dish. Ben Shapiro's Transformers. They're all race based. Um. All right. Sorry. I was going to talk about Thirteen Lives, the thrilling story of the Taiwanese football team that got trapped in a cave in 2018. You remember that? They got trapped in a cave. And everybody was like, they're just trapped in a cave. Why don't you go get them? Turns out, real deep cave. Wait, the kids? Yeah. No, they're... What didn't they? Were they a football team? Yeah, they're a little football team. Bunch of young kids. Oh, has he got the whole bit where Elon Musk is like, I'm going to build a death coffin? <laughs> That's one of the funniest parts of the whole film. They do not mention him once. He's not mentioned in passing. No one talks about him. There is not even the mention of some billionaire being a cunt on the internet. It is just all about saving these kids. And so it should be, because there are legitimate heroes within this story that I weren't aware of. There was one guy named Ganan that had that died trying to rescue them. Yeah. Um, and he the way he died is fucking horrendous. He blocked up the tunnel they were trying to get the kids yeah. out. Yeah. But he that was before they the kids tried had to, to eat their way through him. No, that was oh. before they actually had to bring the kids out. So 
So, for anyone who doesn't know, who who is only three years old and wasn't around when this happened, it's a bunch only like of six, five four years, years ago. ago. Four years oh, ago. So, a bunch is this of, one of Antonio Banderas. Isn't it? No, that was oh, that's three, the minor five, one. Five, wasn't it? Yeah, that was three five five days where the miners were yeah. trapped for, for ages. It says thirteen lives. Thirteen lives. See, so is this the it's prequel by to Ron Howard? Directed by prequel, Ron Howard and Ron Howard. Prequel to Thirteen Ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers for the end of the film. <laughs> That was good. I like that one. <laughs> Matthew Lillard's in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's actually really fucking good. This is a really good film. It's directed by Ron Howard, and Ron Howard is someone who very who can very easily lean into schmaltz to make something compelling. But with this, he is by by the numbers telling a story and giving there is there are moments in this film where you where you you know, there are people talking about something and giving you the information. But to help you along, they, they just show you the tunnel and they show you the distances. And when you, when you see them going into the cave and they emerge and they're like talking and they're discussing how they're going to traverse further into the cave, you see the distance they've got to travel. Mm. And there is a moment where Vigo Mortensen is explaining to the Tony, because the Tonys have their own SEAL team. They're in like Navy SEALs team that are going to travel into the cave to try and save these kids. And the team are looking at a map. And he's explaining to them how fucked it is because the map shows like, you, it's like a tourist map. So yeah. it just shows like, oh, you go down this hill and you go around this Yeah, corner. but did they like just go, why do the kids go this far into the fucking cave? So the whole thing is, and it, it's explained really well in this and it's done really well. The first 10, 15 minutes, you see them playing the football match and then one of them has a birthday party. And this is all, this is all based on the actual story. So it's not like that Captain Phillips shit where someone tried to bargain with their own life with other crew members. It is like actually what happened. So they're playing a football match. They leave the football match and they have to be back at town by seven. It's a sunny day. It's not monsoon season. There's no reason for it to rain. There's no reason for anything to happen. They are literally, it's like a little adventure they go on after they've won a match. It's like a little celebration because they come from poorer towns. So they don't really have like a ton of shit to do. So they all go down to this cave and their coach goes with them to make sure they're safe. As they're going down into this cave, and the cave isn't just like 800 metres, it's three kilometres, over three kilometres long. And it is like a little, it, it like when you're a kid, when you find something Fuck that... Fuck walking three kilometres, Jesus <laughs> Christ. But it is like a little adventure, there's like stalactites. It's a really cool area and they've got like hang Wait, ground... Wait, Yeah, down. Not the stalagmites. They go up. Marlon Brando, Susan Dando. <laughs> System. So they show you, they show you them traveling into the cave, and they show you going. They show the kids going so far, and they they do it just enough where the kids, you you, they all are great actors. They're great in their roles, and you actually you do want the kids to just fucking turn around. You don't just Probably go should back. Have. Probably should have. But they they travel further in, and by by seven p.m. there has been rain for about five hours, just unseasonably strong rain. So the cave is already flooded to the point where you cannot come back because there is a dip. At the midway point, so the reason 800 meters is so important because the initial entrance to the cave, you can go down in, and then you you have to go under this rock formation, which you could just walk under normally, mm. but once it floods, it floods, and it's too far for you to hold your breath and just swim through because it yeah. would be minutes. And then when you see it, when you see them actually first get to the kids, because the kids are under there for eight days before anyone sees them, and the first people to see them are Colin Farrell's character and Viggo Mortensen's character who are two cave explorers. They essentially do rescues around the, the coasts of England and around the world. Mm. That's who those guys were in real life. And the, the SEAL team that the Taiwanese government were trying to send in, were, they were sea 
excavation and and sea divers so they like they go down to open waters they're fantastic at doing that but as soon as you get into those enclosed spaces they're not used to managing their tanks not used to going through those spaces and they say at one point there is like a cliff that that at one side is like six inch space but if you go further down it's about 20 inches but the thing is that 20 inches with your tanks and everything else if you just drift slightly to the right you get stuck and as soon as you get stuck you lose one of those canisters you're fucked. Your air is just not going to suffice for you mm-hmm. to get to the kids. It takes them six and a half hours for that first dive to get to those kids. And the f- moment they get there, Colin Farrell takes out his camera and he goes, he goes, we found them all. They're all fucking alive. It's insane. And they all they've got to give them are their torches off their helmets, the spare torches. They have food. They don't take food because they weren't expecting to get that far. Yeah. They're essentially just exploring the cave to see how difficult the swim would be. So day eight, they see the kids, they take video and they get out and Colin Farrell just immediately gives it over to the to the person that's out there. He goes, look, we've got video. The kids are alive. And Viggo Mortensen says, we should control who sees that. And you're thinking to yourself, wait, why is he saying that? And then you realise it's because Viggo Mortensen has already done in his head the calculation six and a half hours to get these kids back for a cave system where they've barely got enough oxygen to do it with one person. And they're going to have to do that multiple times to get all 13 kids back. And he basically, they try that. The mm. problem is that it's on a hill where the hill has multiple plateaus where there is water yeah. collected. So they actually agree with the local village that are completely poor. Again, it's a very impoverished area. They agree with the local village to completely destroy their crops to have that water flown down into the crops. They make these massive pipelines. And the guy who does that is actually an American who was born in Beijing, or no, sorry, Bangkok, who comes over just of his own volition. He says, I'm helping these people do this because if we can get that water away, it's going to stop dripping into the cave. Yeah. and hopefully give them some time and the whole thing is so fucking complicated and it's beyond anything that you saw on TV because there's all these people just waiting near the front of the fucking cave they should have just put some little coffins to put the kids in <laughs> and just drag them through like Elon the Musk way wanted they, the way they do it is fucking phenomenal and the story of them getting those kids back is just fucking unbelievable but it's just seeing it and having because I've watched the documentary and the documentary is very much it's those angles of the front of the cave you get the information mm. you see the camera the little GoPro of the kids in the cave and you hear that, inf- that information, you see the actual people going in, but they don't have those shots of them travelling. Because they weren't filming themselves going through the cave system. Because no. why would they? They were they were trying to work out a way to get the kids out. They weren't trying to film it for their YouTube channel. So oh, got good Ron, views. Ron Howard redoing this and actually having divers going into similar conditions, it shows you how claustrophobic mm. and how insane it was to go down there. And Viggo Mortensen, so as I was saying, Viggo Mortensen, he said, we should control who sees that. Because as soon as people find out all 13 kids are alive, they go, we found them, they're saved. And Viggo Mortensen says, I've done the calculations. You've done the calculations. All we're going to be carrying out there are 13 dead bodies. Mm. And like, and it's the way that he is sitting in the back of the van looking at Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell in this film is the hopeful one. And it's quite funny. When they're talking about them going in and they're saying, like, oh, these people found the kids. They come up with their, they come with their job titles. And Viggo Morrison, retired firefighter and diving rescue specialist. And then it's Colin Farrell, IT consultant. <laughs> and it just made me laugh seeing that. But no, everyone in this phenomenal. Joel Edgerton turns up as a doctor. Is also, he does um, rescues, but he treats people when they're trapped in like small yeah. air pockets. And his, his idea is fucking insane. So for anyone who doesn't know, and again, this isn't a spoiler because this is based on a true story. We were all following it on the news. He comes up with the idea to, to, um, Ask sedate the kids, mm. to carry them out, to restrict the amount of air they require. 
Yeah. So they fit him with a mask and every 30 minutes they have to give him a shot to keep him unconscious. Mm. So they've got like plastic... They have to do this. So on the fly, they've got plastic bottles with rubber wrapped around them to show them how to carefully put a needle through the through the wetsuit so that they don't pierce the kid's arms mm. and accidentally cause a rupture and cause issues underwater, like yeah. pressure issues. The whole fucking thing is phenomenal. Joel Edgerton is fucking incredible. Um, there's a couple of there's a couple of standout moments where there's a guy that plays uh, Jason. I can't remember the name of the actor. I think it's Tom something. He plays Jason. He's the youngest diver. And, and, and at the beginning, you see them mention, they go, oh, Jason's meant to be one of the best. He goes, he's one of the best, but he's young. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And he gets involved in, in this rescue. And at one point, he gets he's following the guideline. And the guideline's wrapped around a rock where it killed the guy earlier because it got wrapped around his oxygen tank. And they've wrapped around a rock to secure it. And as he's following it back, he follows it around the rock and he just loses it by an inch. And so he keeps going in the direction he thinks it's going. And he, he just comes out in, in what is chamber four. So section four, about 1200 meters away from the, from the entrance. Mm. And he's just sitting there crying, cradling this kid. And Vigo Mortensen just comes in and goes, Tom, what are you doing? He goes, he goes, I got lost. I don't know where I am. I don't know where I am. I don't know where. I am. And he's just like, you think, fuck. You're essentially like, you have just volunteered to do this thing. You're braver than you've ever been in your life. And just that, that tiny mist. You've just missed that little hint of the direction you're meant to be going and it's fucked it for you and your mind is just gone. And you can imagine being in that situation, the panic just shutting in like, oh, fuck, I've killed this kid, I've killed myself. And Viggo Morrison says, rightly, just you just need to focus. That kid is your responsibility. That's all you need to do is get that kid out. Are you okay? And he goes, I'm okay. And he goes, give him, you know, do you need to give him a shot? And he goes, I, I think I need to give him a shot. Give him a shot. And he just carries on. And it's just that that moment and like the fact that Viggo Mortensen's targeted like a laser because in the beginning you, you kind of get the feeling that he doesn't want to be there he even says like what am I doing here? I don't even like kids <laughs> like that but as soon as he sees them and he, he realises what he needs to do and there's a chance he can save them he's just headlong into it and the, as I said the whole thing is fucking phenomenal and yes I'm so glad they didn't mention Elon Musk because that cunt deserve, doesn't deserve any credit he did fucking nothing no. he is such a moron and the fact that his comments got more more um, more traction that the name of a person who died trying to save 13 children is fucking phenomenal. He went to put kids inside little coffins. Yeah. <laughs> little tub and drag them through. Like- there is there is a point where one of the people, they have to special order a mask for one of the kids because his head doesn't fit the masks they have. Mm. And so they special order a mask and the guy who chooses to take it is this, I think it's the guy from I'm Daniel Blake, but I don't know for sure. It's like a short Scottish guy. And he goes, I'll take the kid. He's my responsibility. He goes, what if the mask shifts? If he gets knocked, that kid is dead. And he goes, I'll take him. He's my responsibility. And that guy literally does his one job. And he he is the fucking, the conversation they have underwater where they're like, there's still more space. He goes, I need to get this kid out. I promised you I can do this. If I can't take him out with this mask, we're not going to be able to order another one. There is no other one. There is nothing else done. There is no other way to do this. I will save this kid. And you just... Mm-hmm. In that moment, like all you've got lighting that scene are torches, torches held by the kids, torches on the heads, and you just you you can just feel them go. Like he knows if he doesn't do this now, the kid's going to die, and no one else is willing to risk their life to save that kid. So in that moment, he's like, "I will take this responsibility. If the kid dies, it is on me. None of you have to carry that burden." But at the same time, if this kid dies, I'm not making out this cave either because that's the responsibility he has. And it's just fucking great. What do you think that kid's doing for his birthday this year? <laughs> Playing football. Yeah. a bit of fee. Yeah, going to the, the Like, it's really fascinating seeing the cave itself because, like I said, you imagine caves in the UK. Like, I've been in caves in the UK and they go a couple of hundred metres in and then you're like, oh, it's a bit dodgy back here. All our caves are just massive great big open spaces yeah. with touring. Yeah, exactly. Like Cheddar Gorge. But no, like, yeah. if you go down Dorset... There's you, no cheese in there. <laughs> if it's you go to Dorset, you can get into, like, the little caves and stuff where people have died. 
Because they do go back a little bit, and like you've got Ballad Ballad Downs or Bewley Downs. Around there, you've got caves as well. And like I said, they only go back a few hundred metres at very most, and they become a real difficult slog if you go back those few hundred metres. People still die in those places. So to see this and the depth that it goes... And if I was a kid and there was something like that near me... I wouldn't go near caves in the UK anyway because there's probably some perverts filming something in there. But no, but like if I was a kid in Thailand, you don't have much to do. You you know, you don't have a ton of money. Like you do run around in the woods and the jungle. And so I like, I did that when I was a kid. If someone told me there was a cave we could go explore, I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go explore a cave. And like, it just, (laughs) you just, you see the rain come down and it's not like regular rain. It's just constant. And it is like a, it's like background music to some scenes. Like, there is a moment where Viggo Mawson and Colin Farrell are lying down trying to get sleep near the site because they're going to go diving in the next day. And the fan's whirring, and you can't hear the fan whirring because of the rain hitting the roof. And the fan is right above it, and it's proper fucking going. And the roof is just... And it's almost like it's just raining the heavens down on these kids, just trapping them in this place. Like I said, so many heroes involved in this story, and I fucking hate the fact that cunt Elon Musk is one of the names that people associate with this shit because they are... All heroes. The only person that is kind of treated like a villain, but at the same time, you understand why he's saying what he's saying is the governor. Because at one point, on the first day where they find out the kids are trapped out, because they do find a way, uh, find out immediately, because that birthday party is happening, and mm. one of the kids goes back to set up the birthday party, they find out immediately the kids are in that cave. They go there, they see all the bikes, and then they just see that water rising up and just hiding mm. that entrance. And then from then, kicks in. Everyone's there. Governor's there. The people that get called, get the calls. They go, you've been, we've been told you're a specialist. Get down here. Like, and it's just all hands on deck. Let's get this done. I should have had a back door on the cave. <laughs> they do, like, they, they get to a point where, where Colin Farrell, and when they first get down there, day eight, mm. and they get to the kids, they go, who built this? And you see Vigo Mortensen go to the back of the wall and they have literally just torn away at the wall and mm. dug a hole that like goes deeper into what they don't realise is just more hill. Yeah. But Vigo Mortensen says to them like like great job. Yeah. Like you can see that they've just literally just scraped away. Because they didn't take food with them. They were kids fucking. It's an early birthday food. cake. No, the cake was waiting for them. At the end they have the cake. Yeah. They do have oh, the that'd cake. Oh that'd be mouldy by the way. No, they have a new one. But it's oh, a SpongeBob okay. cake. It's really funny. Oh, the kid goes, it's a SpongeBob cake and they're like the guy's like goes like ah uh, and he goes, but you're so poor it's just for one <laughs> it's just like that big and it's just it's just a bit of kids teasing each other I was like oh that's quite funny but yeah really fucking good really really good but if you don't like water and you don't like small spaces you will feel them when watching this it's such a good capturing of that claustrophobia it's fucking incredible you just wear one of those those wet splash jacket. oh yeah like yeah, a, the black like tarp a, things yeah, yeah. and yeah because you or get a wet bin bag with no hole in the front you'll get wet if you're in the front right a bin bag with no hole in the front yeah so. <laughs> I remember going I went in Cheddar Gorge when I was little and I didn't get trapped this kid's dumb <laughs> It's. It, I think that you might enjoy it. It's. It's one of those. Like I recently watched Cinderella Man. And I spoke about it on this podcast. And it, Ron Howard is a very good director. Oh, it's okay when a man becomes Cinderella. When you when you gender swap Cinderella. It, <laughs> it was a really good. It's like he is a really good director, and he does sometimes lean into the schmaltzy nature of the stories he decides. Is to there a direct. moment in the film that's got pee in it? Which one? In this film. What do you mean? Because Ron Howard likes putting pee in scenes in his films. Does he? Yeah. And Tom Hanks in Castaway and yeah. Apollo 13. Yeah, but didn't they have to pee in space? Yeah, but it's, it's a thing. Tom Hanks and Ron Howard. And urine. Got pee fetishes. The Grimmar was Frank Darabont. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. But that's pee in it because Tom Hanks likes to pee. I think it's Tom Hanks. Do you think it's Tom Hanks? Yeah. Mm. There's all those episodes of Happy Days. You know at the start when Richie turns around? And he's got a pass on the front of his he's um 
in seasons one to two, he's just got a chub on, but in seasons three onwards, he's peeing. Come on, your review. Yeah. Your next review. Oh, Kate Blanchett Kate for Blanchett. 13 Lives is fantastic. Um, right. Uh, but if it plays on the fears that you already have, you're <laughs> not going to get better after watching this. No. And also custard creams. Makes you really want custard creams. I like custard creams. In the beginning, Colin Farrell has a little pack of custard creams in his pocket. And he goes, and Viggo Mortensen says, oh, can I have a custard cream? And he goes, he goes, yeah, just one though. And Viggo Mortensen takes two and gives them back to him. And he goes, do you take two? And he goes, he goes, you said I could have a custard cream. And he goes, yeah, but you said one custard cream. And he goes, and he's, he's like, why can't creams. I take two? And he goes, he goes, you're a child. And it sort of, it does, it does show that relationship because they are friends and it does, that is part of the reason they're so dedicated. Oh, I want some custard creams. Really good film. I think you really would enjoy mm. it. I think a lot of people would enjoy it. And it's, it's such a shame this isn't getting like a big wide release because I'd love to have watched this in the cinema. Cause it is. Does anyone have any Bourbon biscuits? I don't think so. Oh. No. Your review, man. What about a Viennese well? I don't think anyone's got any Viennese wells, mate. It's oh. a bit too wet for that. Oh, yeah. But Bob, you can't take custard creams custard into creams water. Custard creams are hearty. You're thinking rich teas. Rich teas take, are full of You can't heart, take a custard cream into water. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. Yeah, you can. Ruined. Famously, they were designed during World War II to write on paper even when they were wet. <sighs> well, custard creams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if history serves me right. Mm. Your review, Ant. <laughs> I mean, most British biscuits were made to cure some sort of illness. I'm not. I've got syphilis. Not even kidding. Digestive biscuits were oh, invented yeah, was... to friggin'... Yeah, but... Because... Doctors stupid. Digestive biscuits technically did evolve into biscuits brown, which is something you get when you're in the army. It stops you from shitting. I'll give you a biscuit brown in a minute. It stops you from shitting, Fuck so it. maybe you will. Uh, anyway, um, The Orville, season three. Oh, how's that going? Oh, it's been fantastic. Is it done It's now? the best Star Trek series. What's the actual title of it now? Orville New Horizons, oh, they go. call it. Um, it's a really good series, because season two got a bit more serious, and they cut back on the... Um, the humour a bit in season two. Season three is like one joke per episode, pretty much, apart from the last episode, which is quite light-hearted last episode. Yeah. Um, but the whole series, the main stories going on is the war with the Kalon, the um, the robots that Isaac is part of. Because in the last series, they did a big invasion and Isaac, like, you know, turned on the Kalon and helped helped the, the Union out. I didn't quite get to the end of that series, I'm going to reveal. Oh, fuck. Sorry, mate. Um, that's not even at the end of the series, the Kalon invasion. No, I saw the point it. where he goes to the Kalon Empire and they reset him or whatever and then he comes yeah, back. Yeah, that yeah. was the start of the thing. It was I a two-part. Yeah, I didn't didn't get through the rest of it because I sort yeah. of dropped off the Orville. Yeah. But the new series, um, it's really good. Every episode, like, there's really, like, sort of three main plots that run through this series because it does the thing the previous series do where, like, it'll end a story like story with not necessarily a perfect bow on top so they can do another episode later that carries on from that. Yeah. Because they still carry on the... Um, That's what you call natural storytelling. Yeah. yeah. But they they carry on the whole story about the um, Bortis and his his daughter that they... Because um, there's not supposed to be any females in his society. Yeah, and there's and a they, female that turns out to be an orphan that they all find quite... Yeah, um, but they... Important. they um you know, surgically changed her to be a boy. Yeah. And then this series carries on with that where she's grown up a little bit and she's like... Decides she wants to go back. She wants to be a boy. She wants to be a girl. Yeah. She does find out that she wasn't a boy. That she doesn't was born Bortis, a girl. his partner also reveal that he was born? Yeah, she? that was in season two, yeah. 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 And the, the cut was made and they've always regretted the fact that parents made the decision for them. Or at least they've come to regret it following the operation their daughter had. But no, she's like... She, you know, decides... They have this whole situation where they basically use every single loophole they possibly could to get away with doing it without causing a war with the Mucklands because mm. the Mucklands are dead against it. Um, Dolly Parton makes a cameo in that episode. I've heard. 
Dolly Parton's, one of the later ones anyway. Dolly Parton's pretty cool. Yeah. She's all for the They had LGBT to drag community. a set all the way over to... I know, I heard, uh, I heard, yeah. <laughs> Seth MacFarlane said she did it for free, though. Yeah, well, she will. She's got enough money. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Did you see? Have you seen the video of her going to a local restaurant? No. So basically, I... I sorry, this is a bit of a segue, but after seeing the Seth MacFarlane like, dragging the set to go see her and stuff... I saw a video where it was like, this is Dolly Parton coming into the restaurant the other day when I was eating in there. Mm. And she comes, she goes, hello, y'all. <laughs> She's like, hey, hey, how's it? Oh, how's it? That looks good. Oh, how you doing? <laughs> and then she goes to her booth and sits down. She'd be a bit overbearing. She's literally, she just seems like the <laughs> nicest woman. Yeah. She does more for education than the entirety of the US she's government. American. Yeah. Um, but no, this, uh, there's other stuff. Canadian, there's though, other plot know. threads running through it. Like they have um, a character called Charlie who she lost her girlfriend um, during the Kalon War, so she blames Isaac for everything. Mm. And there's a plot thread running through where she's learning to sort of go, well, maybe Isaac has changed a little bit. And she's like a new Ensign character they brought into the show. I don't know um, if you could ever... Like, the problem with Isaac as a character is that because they treat it as either a binary choice based on, like, one of two facts, either it's programming or it's his consciousness. But then also, at the same time, they constantly negate the idea of his consciousness. No, they, they, they build it up and this stuff happens. Because oh, okay. he's he's you know he's always like oh does does he really understand things he said things are all logic and processes and stuff with him yeah. but then he makes he like one of the things they do with him is he makes up reasons why something's logical because logic is only as far as you decide it's logical yeah you can you can change parameters yeah. as it says to make it logical and that's you what he starts doing exist to convince yourself that something else does well he yeah like he he comes to his conclusions by changing what he considers to be the logical parts of it. He decides what what will give him the result he wants. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's really good series. Every episode's like a, a solid, great episode of Star Trek. Mm. Um, there's only episode that's like feels like a bit of an outlier is one where they go to this planet and it's like, it keeps changing to different locations and they end up in these different scenarios and something starts trying to kill them. It's like a bit like, there's like one where they're in a 19, in a 20th century high school and there's a giant monster on the football team that's coming after them. Oh. Or when they end up on another planet where it should be really high gravity because it's the planet of the Silurians or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and it's like, no, there's no high gravity but there's a big monster in the lake that they have to cross. And there's all these weird scenarios that get him put in. It's like, oh, what's behind all this? And then it turns out it's a sequel episode to an episode from season one. Oh, that's cool. Where um, they, I think, I think it's the one where Adrian Palecki's character, what's her face, accidentally... Oh, accidentally becomes a god. Accidentally became a god, yeah. This is season two. I think it was season two. That was season two, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, she accidentally becomes a god to a whole civilization. <laughs> um, but this carries on from that. That's it's a, a, that is a very classic Star Trek episode. Because yeah. it's that one where the planet disappears in and out of reality, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and every time it does, out. it's like a hundred years later. Yeah. yeah but they've, they've, they've now... Because they've now evolved like about millions of years yeah. in the in the two years since Adam. Because oh, this is like... Yeah. This is set like two years after like mostly it's set two years after the um, season. season season but like some of it's, it's sort of not it doesn't really give you a firm thing but they act like all the stuff with Isaac is fairly recent okay because the first first episode of the series was meant to be at the end of season two but they they sort of like they never finished filming and they basically cut that series short and moved it to the next series oh okay so they started filming that and then the pandemic hit so that episode sat done like two years ago yeah um and then they ended up filming the series sporadically through 2020 and 2021. The series is rated really well, which is usually yeah. a bad sign for American TV, because that usually means that no one's watching it. But it's mm. it's been one of those ones I've constantly heard about. Season three has been... Like, the reason I knew about the character with Bortus's daughter is because uh, 
some trans YouTuber that I, I watched was talking about it and saying, like, it's very similar to um, whenever there's something that's in a different perspective, I always try and find people that, that have that perspective so I can sort of learn because I don't... Life is difficult enough without trying to accommodate other people. And I don't want to make anyone else's life difficult. So I always like to find out, you know, as much as I can about that perspective. I remember Jessie Gender's done a couple of episodes. I think maybe it was her. I don't know. Yeah, she does a lot of Star Trek stuff, but... It was the same It was the same person that, on their channel, they did... She did a video where she was talking with an autistic person about uh, representation and Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians. Because there was someone that was saying that they don't see characters that realistically portray autism, mm. but seeing Drax... It's much like, more Super Sentai. Seeing Drax <laughs> and the way that Drax <clears throat> reacts to things and the way that he interacts with people, and also the way that, like, he finds humour in different scenarios other people do, mm. like stuff like that they said that was really helpful. So I watched something that was similar and it was the same YouTuber um, as uh, talking about the Bortus episode. Mm. And it's really interesting to hear that sort of shit. I, I you know, I, I can't imagine the difficulty of being trans and I know that representation is such a difficult thing and Seth MacFarlane himself has been dog shit about this sort of thing in the past. You know, he's made a lot of mistakes and a lot of the stuff he's made. Yeah, but he, I mean, say like Family Guy and all that, he stopped writing Family Guy like... Many years ago. Years ago. He just turns up to do the vid voiceover and disappears. I know, no, I know. Same with American Daddy, doesn't know, do much of that. I know, but his name's still on that shit. Yeah. Like, you know, there's still a certain level of responsibility. But when it comes to this, like, it seems like he's very much grown up and he's making a series that he wants to make and he's very proud of it. Yeah. There are some episodes, like, again, I'm not a big Star Trek guy. I got through the first season and a half of, of The Orville, watched a lot of it, yeah. and I enjoyed a lot of the stuff I watched. Um, you definitely see after, probably halfway through the first season, where yeah. they start fighting back against... Because the first few episodes is like... So it's um, very much like a Fox series. Yeah, it feels like feels they like want the family guy humour, they yeah. want the... They want the wacky shenanigans, but series, series three, like other than the last episode, practically one joke per episode. There's a really interesting through line in the first season that changes midway through. Mm. You know Norm Macdonald's character, yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Norm Macdonald's. He's character. still in this series. They recorded because his yeah, voiceover was recorded like two years ago. They did like a really nice. They did like a yeah. really nice um, clip thing for him because they said goodbye. Mm. Uh, but his character in the first season, he's trying to seduce the Doctor. Yeah, starts out super lechy, super Family Guy humor, mm. and then you get to an episode where he's like trying to explain what love is to him mm. and offering her flowers and trying to talk to her about how he experiences love and affection. And there's an episode where she's affected by something that makes it so that she reciprocates those emotions, but not really. And like after that, he doesn't interact with her in the same way. No. Yeah. And I thought that was really clever because that's such a subtle change. Even though it's a big joke, those first few episodes... You can see that's the maturing of the series, the maturing of like yeah. moving more. The season two is much hand. more sort of straight up Star Trek stuff. Yeah. I don't think every now and again they should do a, a straightforward comedy episode because that's I, one thing with this series is ev- still, every episode except for the last one is like freaking emotional. Freaking, it's still yeah. like there's still those little jokes in there. There's still those little comments. And you mm. know, like but Star Trek does comedy episodes exactly. But every mm. so often, like I do laugh at like it's little... got two comedy episodes in bloody Strange New Worlds. Look, I think I'm one of the only people in the world that said a million di- ways to die in the West had a couple of jokes in it. Mm. I'm not saying they're good, but they're in there. Yeah. And like I, I do find it funny when he's a man out of time sort of interaction, mm. because I do find that like whole like if Porter's is saying something and he says that's what she said, and he just looks around the room and it's just like, it's just like. Oh, I see. This is representative of this not being funny anymore. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. But it's still like the awkwardness makes me laugh. Like I like the fact that he's it's no longer a case of that would be a laugh track moment in Family Guy or American Dad. Yeah. But in this it's like a they don't have laugh tracks on those shows. No, no, but you know what I mean? It'd be set up for a laugh. But in yeah. this, the laugh comes from that awkward silence afterwards when everyone else is like, what the fuck are you saying, man? I feel like there's a 
running gag in this series where they always keeps talking about how much of a great comedian he is. Yeah. And um, the last episode is Isaac and the Doctor um, planning to get married. Yeah. Um, there's like a whole thing. No, I saw. Built I think I walked in on that. And Isaac accidentally invites the entire Kalon race to his wedding. Seventeen thousand some odd ships turning up, and they're just like, maybe we should tell Earth so they don't send a war fleet out here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I bought his. Of course, because they're Isaac, a mind, so he yeah. sends one invite and it goes to everyone. Yeah, yeah I get it. But um, Isaac asks um, Grimes to be his Scott Grimes, whatever his character's called. Yeah, um, he asks him to be his best man, and Boyce just sort of interrupts and says, "Like on my planet, I am considered extremely hilarious. I would take this challenge and I would run with it." And Isaac is like, "Very well, you should be my best man." And Grimes is just like, "What the frick?" What? <laughs> like, and Boyce ruins it. Because oh, he's not of funny. He of course he does. But his his husband loves it. I did find I did find the episode where Boris was uh, had his. They found out that he had he had accidentally caused a virus on the ship because of his smut. No, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just isn't it him hundreds of times having sex with himself? Um, yeah, he's got like the holographic room with loads of sexy yeah. Mocklands. No, is it sexy Mocklands? I kept thinking yeah. it was just a bunch of him behind so. behind his husband's back. <laughs> It's the fact that he goes in there. There's, there's a bunch of, like stroking each other, and then mm. when he goes in, he goes hello, and they're like hello, and then like another one comes up from behind a bush and goes hello, mm. and then comes from next to him and goes hello. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, that's too many, too <laughs> many. Slow that smart down. Been a, uh, yeah. There's a, it's been a really good series, series three. It needs a series four. Let's keep going. They're and like, the production quality on this series has been insane. They're pushing for a season four. Like yeah. there's a lot of people that. I can't. It's, it's almost got the same sort of like ground swellers. I wonder what sort of budget it has on it because like Star Trek Strange New Worlds has a big budget, but at times you can tell where they're doing episodes that are set as much as possible on the Enterprise to save money. Yeah. But um, the Orville has like, there's one episode where they go to the um, Krill homeworld, yeah. which you haven't seen the Krill too often. You usually see them on a ship, have four or five of them in makeup. Yeah. But there's like crowd shots with like 30, 40 people in the crowd. And I'm looking and I'm the, it's not a repeated shot. Mm. It's like, as tightly packed a shot as possible to get like make it look like a crowd, but yeah. they're all in full makeup. They've got the whole sets for this town. That's cool. Like they they make the city purposely look uniform when they're flying around the city. You see the same areas again and again, yeah. so that when they show one part of the city, they can keep reusing the same set. Yeah, and it's fine because the city's all designed to be uniform and yeah. stuff. But the whole episode is set on this planet. Everyone's in full makeup, like alien makeup. Like there's a whole CG chase sequence where they're shooting around the thing. We're in Star Trek. That would be. Half the shots are inside the runabout, and, and you wouldn't could, see outside. And it would be a Western town. And they'll be like, oh man, oh, got to dodge that, got to dodge, yeah, dodge It'd be this a Western thing. town, but it would have future doors. Uh, they did that, that's the word. Oh, no, they yeah. did. But, um, no, but it'd be like, yeah, they'll do whatever they can to not show what's going Doesn't on outside. Doesn't turn up for a cameo in this series? He's in series one. He's got a cameo in one. So he is. Because like it was around the time when they were filming Emerald, Many Ways to Die it? in the West. He was a doctor that died on some planet. And he, there's a video message from him. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Because um, Charlie Theron's in one of the early episodes as well. Season two, I think, yeah. isn't she? It's that most of it's season one, I think. Oh, okay. This series doesn't have many um, Star Trek alumni cameos. No, because um, the rest of the show has like season one and two is full of them. Yeah, like like tons of Star Trek actors just turn up. But then again, the, the Doctor's played by the woman who was um, um, Cassidy Yates in Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's yeah. where I've seen her before. Yeah, I know stuff. I did no, like the episode where she was trapped on a planet with Isaac and the guy who played the killer in uh, Cobra. Techno Jesus from uh, Johnny Mnemonic. You know that guy? No. But she's trapped on a planet with her two kids. Isaac's keeping her kids alive and she's been captured. Yeah. 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 Bruce Boxlight is in the new series a bunch. 
Is he? Yeah, he's um the president he's... of um the union. Tron himself. Yeah, but he's like from fully, Tron Infinity. Fully in makeup oh. the whole time. And Kelly Hughes in it. Who? You remember Kelly Hugh? She was in loads of stuff years ago. She was in Scorpion King. Do you remember Scorpion King? With The Rock. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. she also play someone in Mortal Kombat? Uh, Armageddon. Didn't she play, uh, like... Probably not. I don't know. But anyway, the new series of Orville's really good. Ten episodes. Watch it. Every episode's, like, over an hour long. Yeah. One of them's, like... Two of them are, like, an hour and a half. Straight out movies. May as well be movies. Friggin'. I like it when they're not, though. I like it when it's just an extended episode of a series. Why is it whenever we get these... You know, they always go, oh, we're... We don't have to stick to 45-minute run times because we're not on TV. We can let the stories have the amount of time they need. Why isn't there any episodes that are shorter than 45 minutes? Why do, why do they never need less than 45 minutes to tell a story? Because there's plenty of episodes of Star Trek where they could have like told the story in less time, but they dragged it out a little bit to hit that 44-minute run time mark. So why is it this never happens? How long, every, how long is every episode of The, of the Sandman? Oh, no, I didn't watch it. No, you haven't watched it? No, no, yeah, I was going to read the comics first. I'm going, I reckon there's a couple that are over an hour. Yeah, probably. Because after we had Stranger Things with a two and a half hour long finale episode, Look, it I liked did Stranger. not need to be two and a half no, hours. It like, you could have trimmed an hour from that. Like yeah. A full hour, yeah. easily. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's why I like quite like watching Deep Space Nine and Star Trek, because every episode is 44 minutes long. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess it's my last review. So I was going to... Ted Danson's in the order. Is he? Yeah, he gets killed in this series. Oh, I like Ted Spoilers. Um, so I watched I watched um, all of an Apple TV series called Blackbird, uh, which is sadly the last thing that Ray Liotta did before he died recently. Um, last thing he acted in. It's actually dedicated to him at the end. Oh. Episode four, I think, is actually dedicated to him because that happened. That was released around the time that he died. Um, so I'm going to review that, but I just want to quickly talk about Nathan Fielder's new show, The Rehearsal. What are you reviewing? I'm going to review Blackbird. But I just no, need to review talk- Blackbird. No, no, but I just need to talk about this. So so for anyone who's not watching this right now, I think it's on Paramount Plus in the UK and all over the world, I guess, because that's released everywhere now. But the rehearsal is such an insane fucking premise that I need to talk about it very quickly. Oh. So you know Nathan Fielder is the person who did the show Nathan for you. Yeah. Yeah, and he goes out and makes businesses better and like it's often like in a very bad way. But it's in a way that sometimes does actually work. Like dumb Starbucks and all that shit that he went viral for. Yeah. In the rehearsal, what he does is he takes normal people that have like a big decision and then he takes those people and he rehearses them making that decision with actors playing the people who are, who are going to be involved in that decision. Yeah. So for instance, the first episode, there is a character who, who told everyone he had a master's degree. He doesn't have a master's degree. He does have a university degree, but he didn't do his master's, so he doesn't have a PhD. And his friend keeps forwarding him jobs for a master's position that requires that education level. And he has lied in the past, which means that it's now become awkward and he just wants to tell her he doesn't actually have that level of education. And, you know, that decision's difficult for him because this is a very close friend. And so they go to a bar trivia every week. So Nathan Fielder recreates the bar exactly to have this guy go in and have actors who have infiltrated the people's lives they'll be playing in the rehearsal so that they can continuously have this conversation. And it starts out very simply just, he has this guy sitting there, he has a few people pretending to be patrons of the bar, and then he has the woman come in. The woman doesn't realise that that she has been stalked by this actress who has followed all her social media and then set up interviews with her about various things within New York so that she can get an idea of her character and get an idea of who she is. 
Um, <laughs> and so it becomes this massive elaborate thing. And as you can imagine, it's insane. And then at the end, Nathan has to reveal to the guy that he's secretly been feeding him the answers to the trivia and cheat by getting the trivia answers because he found out that midway through the rehearsal he was getting distracted because he couldn't get the right answers right in the trivia. So he was putting up asking, like telling this woman this information because he was getting so into the trivia. So he fed him these answers, which he got ahead of a time by pretending to be a quiz master doing an, it's just insanely elaborate and weird. So, but you're not talking about the rehearsal. No, 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 but I need to, I just, I just need to explain something. So, and then episode two, three and four have an, have a plot in the background whilst he's also doing these rehearsal style situations. There's a plot in the background in which this woman is asked to see what it'd be like to be a homesteader and have a child. But because you can't have a kid working for X amount of hours in the town they're shooting it, they have to replace the kid every three hours with a different actor. And the plan is that they're going to do it so the kid ages very quickly. So over two months, the kid will age from the age of one, or sorry, zero to 18. And so he set this all up. And because he's so dedicated to the authenticity in the second episode, it's revealed the kid's now six. And he's he's put smart mirrors around the house so that they age you up when you look into them. And he comes back from doing the show that he's doing whilst this woman's rehearsing, having a kid from the age of zero to 18. He comes back and he looks himself in the mirror and goes, when you look at yourself and you've been digitally aged up by a smart mirror to show what you'll look like at the age that you would have been at this point in your child's life. You really begin to question how quickly time passes. And, and I, I just burst out laughing as soon as I saw that. And I was like, this man's a psychopath. Mm. He, he's the kind of guy that if he, if he took one turn to the right, he'd be like a mastermind of infiltration. It's such an incredible premise. But if people aren't watching it, I really recommend you watch it. Anyway. The reason I spoke about that before I spoke about Blackbird is that Blackbird is very much like the last review. Yeah, this is my last review. Thank God. So Blackbird, Blackbird is the story of a guy named Jimmy who goes to prison for um, for narcotics trafficking and illegal weapons. He takes a plea deal because he's told that it'll only serve five years and it'll be minimum security. It'll be in and out. You know, he still has to serve the time, but with good behaviour, he'll get out sooner. He he agrees to that. And takes the plea deal, but the judge actually, you know, he hits him with a with a maximum penalty for both charges, so narcotics and the guns. So he gets ten years. And his dad, as soon as he goes in, his dad has a stroke. So it's basically like, I need to get out of prison. I need to do whatever I can. The FBI or the uh, the intelligence committee, the people that put him in prison, the people that initially offered that deal, they turn around. And they say, I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> They turn around and they say, look, Jimmy, you're a charismatic guy. And we have this man who has um, who who has potentially killed a bunch of women around around this area. We've got him in for his for his um, admittance to one murder. We need to get him for the other 21 and we need to know where those bodies are. Right. Um, so they send in Jimmy essentially to infiltrate the prison. So they hire Nathan so- Fielder. <laughs> To pretend to be a woman to attract the murderer. (laughs) I'm Nathan Fielder. I've got to get in the mind of the prisoner. (laughs) To get into the mind of the prisoner, first, I need to live his life. So I've hired a group of actors that look exactly like his family. And his victims. And his victims as well. To murder them. You'll have the victims stand behind mirrors. They're not real mirrors. (laughs) 
They're like two-way windows, but they'll stand there and stare at him as he walks around so he can feel the guilt of the murders he's done. I'm going to show you the rehearsal at some point, Mm. and you're just going to watch it and go, what the fuck am I watching? This is genius. Is that the one where the guy talks about drinking um, children's piss? No. To cure illnesses. Oh, wait, no. That's uh, that's Nathan for you, I think. Uh, Yeah, where the guy's like, there's a lot of healing. There's a guy that... there's there's I drank it once, why? Because I was scared. There was a guy that was in um, in the rehearsal that was like trying to date the homesteader woman so that she could pretend to have a husband. Yeah. But eventually, Nathan Fielder joins in and becomes the husband character in that story. But but um, he he wants to be the husband, and he's talking about God and all these symbols and stuff like that. And they go back to his house, and he's like packing to go and stay over there because he's going to like stay the night to try and like become part of this rehearsal project. Mm. And he gets home and he just starts ripping bong hits and talking about Jesus. And then he's talking to his housemate and he gets into a screaming match with his housemate about numbers. And you're like, this guy's a fucking psychopath. And then it turns out, like, he tried to sue the company because he was like, you made me look like a crazy person. And the case was thrown out because his brother was like, yeah, he's fucking nuts, mate. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I'm a witness for these other people. He's fucking insane. Anyway, sorry, Blackbird. So um, so Jimmy has to infiltrate. He he basically, his, his choice is he goes to maximum security prison. So it's... Firstly, a much harsher environment. Secondly, the prison guards are just fucking out to get you. As soon as they find out that his dad's a cop and his dad does... His dad played by Ray Liotta, so that's who his dad plays. His dad, he's just suffered a stroke. He's back up on his feet and he's like going to the prison to go see his son. And his he one of the first things he says is he's like, he's like, I'm a cop like you guys. Like, I used to be a cop, so I understand like, you know, badges, respect badges. So if you could just keep an eye on my son. Try and do something friendly for his son. But as soon as one cop gets that, one of the prison guards gets that information, they're like, you got to give me 10 grand because someone on the outside wants 10 grand from me. And he's like, oh, right. And he goes, because the only people that come in here that are related to cops are either snitches or fucking cops. Oh, snitches get stitches. Well, no, they get murdered. No. In this prison, they just get murdered. Oh, they don't get... Yeah, you can't really stitch up murder. Well, you, Once stitch- someone's decapitated you, you can stitch the head back on. Yeah, I mean... But you're not a snitch anymore, you're dead. For the you're, funeral, you're, you're a body. You're going to stitch up for the funeral. Yeah, but you're a body. You're yeah. not human. Well, then the snitch has got stitches. I mean, the snitch is dead, so technically the snitch's body got stitches. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it is. So but how do you know that you, when when you die, you so don't just stay conscious the, in the dead the main body? Characters, the main characters in this, Jimmy is played by Taron Egerton, the cop who is on oh the, the guy below him, Owen Lars from Star Trek, from Star Wars. No, it was Bill Ed- Taron Egerton? No, Joel Egerton you're thinking of. Oh. Taron Egerton's the one who played Eddie the Eagle. Oh, in, from um, Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. 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 So um, so Taron Egerton plays Why Jimmy, and then Paul Carl Hauser plays um, Larry, and he, you'll recognise him as Stingray from... from um, He played Richard Jewell in that Clint Eastwood movie, but he also played Stingray. He's one of the comedy characters from... from, um, from the fucking Karate Kid series, Cobra Kai. Yeah, I didn't watch either. No, I did not. Um, he's, he's been in a load of stuff, but he's usually a comedy actor. In this, though, he is... I know Stingray. He looks like he looks like the serial killer. At the end, they show you pictures of him. And Jared Edgerton looks nothing like the person he plays. He looks nothing like Jimmy. He's far too handsome, firstly. And he's <laughs> English. But um, the guy who plays this... this, uh, this he was Elton John, wasn't he? The guy who looks... Like, yeah, he was. Yeah, the, yeah, guy, the guy who plays Larry has these massive sideburns because he does um, he does war reenactments with his like little weird creepy mates, oh. but he he gets really upset if you call them sideburns. They have to be called burn sides because that's historically what they'd be called. 
Uh. And he's got like this fucking horrible red, like rashy, almost like alcohol caused nose. Like he's just got like this red dotted. Scratches his nose too much. It's just he and he fucking the way he plays a character. Like he does, like he plays so passive until you either press the right button. And the way that you get there, like the police try, like he keeps admitting to crimes. And they're driving him around and he just drives them in circles over and over again and doesn't reveal anything to them. And they get the idea that, like, the cops, the local police are like, he knows something or he knows nothing and we're leaning towards nothing because he just keeps driving us in circles. And they're like, where does the, he drive you in circles? And they go like, oh, around here, around here. And, it, like, they find out that there are murders around those areas. It's almost like he's showing off but not telling them exactly where yeah. the, the sites are. And the the guy that's hunting him, the, the cop that's hunting him trying to get the confession, the one who brings this idea together is... Played by Greg Kinnear, who's fucking phenomenal in this. He's no, literally... He was the mystery man. Yeah, yeah. He was a superhero who gets killed at the start. He was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The one with all the advertising. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Flip the switch and then turn the toggle. Wait, do you mean by toggle? I like to what believe mean? mystery men takes place in the um, the boys' universe. It's in the DC universe. Nah, yeah. I don't like that. Mystery men was DC. Malibu Comics was taken over by DC. It's not, that doesn't make it DC. Or was it Marvel? Might be Marvel. Anyway, um, but yeah. The series isn't fantastic, but um, if you're a fan of Ray Liotta and, you know, everybody knows he was a very good actor, once he's had that stroke and you see those vulnerabilities in his character, it's kind of hard to watch to know that he sort of died recently, just suddenly in his sleep. He didn't die of a stroke. No, I know he didn't, but seeing him, again, he's a very good actor, he plays it very well, and seeing him in that vulnerable sort of position, it's quite upsetting. So I think that if you're a fan of that actor, it's... It can be... It, it's a bit strange. It's, it's It feels very much like... Um, not in the same way. I don't get the same... The same emotional sort of issues from it. But it sort of has the same response to me. My body automatically starts feeling... Not sad. Just just like there's something painful about watching that. Yeah, who has emotions? Fun. But Ghostbusters Afterlife did it sort of in the same way. Well, that made me sick. It made me angry. That's what I was trying to say. It, it made, made me, me feel angry. gross. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Blackbird, it's a Tom Atkins, a fucking phenomenal show. Really, really good. Taron Edgerton, how is he not in everything? Because he is so fucking good in this. He's tipped for the new Bond. And I think he'd actually be quite good. No, Tom Hiddleston. I want Tom Hiddleston's Bond. I want camp, suave, fun Bond back. He can be camp. He played it on John. That was a good film. Did you watch Rocket Man? No. It was actually quite good. What's that joke? Were they... Where Elton John and Jimmy Savile are gonna have something for dinner. Uh, what what should we get for dinner? Should we rent a movie? He says, "Yeah." Should we get Aladdin? Oh, because Elton John's gay. Because the pedos. Oh, uh, is he a pedo? I mean, I thought that he was sexually abused, not the other way around. I don't know, but it's a joke about getting. A, it's not necessarily a kid, just oh. a lad. A lad can be an adult. Yeah. But Jimmy Savile specifically. Yeah, but I couldn't remember who the other one was, but I just went with Jimmy Savile because famously touched boys. Yeah, I don't think he touched boys in the... Maybe I should go with Brian Singer. Would that have been... Yeah, yeah, there you go. That works a lot better. So Brian Singer and Jimmy Savile are trying to get a kid to fuck because they're both paedophiles. And Brian Singer says... And then Brian Singer gets to live his life and is somehow not persecuted. Your brother wants to be in my X-Men film. Yeah, I'm going to rape you. You have to do something for me. Yeah. Which one is that? Sean and what's the other one? Sean Ashmore. He's the other one. He's a twin, isn't he? Yeah, Sean and Paul. He's Paul. Oh, you just no, made that name. Sean Paul because Sean Paul's a singer. Oh, he's Sean Paul. He did the come, my lady, come, come, my lady, be my butterfly, sugar lady. No, he didn't. That's crazy town. 
Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're you talking did, crazy uh, town right now. He did. Uh, he did. If I die before I wait. No, that's not that. That's that's um, fucking OPM. Yeah, OPM, yeah. Uh, Heaven did, is a half pipe. Did he do ice, ice baby? No, that's vanilla ice. Oh, no. uh, did he? That's do... Freddie Mercury. See, it's completely different. Did he do completely different? Uh, did he do? It wasn't me. That was Shaggy. Oh, but that's not the song Shaggy should be famous for. Is it? Uh... Funk, 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 funk. That's Cisco oh. from Star Trek. Oh, okay. Yeah. No man, what's your last review? Pray. Pray what? Pray. Pray. Um, so Prey is the new Predator movie. It's Predator See, 5. Predator. Prey mean 7, if we count the Aliens vs. Predator films, but we don't count the Aliens vs. Predator films. We count the second one. Or the Predator. Um, we don't count any of those Alien films. Alien vs. Predator is actually quite good. Two. Uh, no, it's Alien vs. Predator no, it's not. Two. It's bad. It's not good. It's not good at all. It's bad. It's very bad. But um, no, this is a really good one. It, it does the thing that they should do with the Predator franchise. The simple thing with the Predator franchise should be, let's put a Predator in somewhere and see what he does. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I mean, granted, it's a bit strange it's released on Disney Plus, isn't it? You wouldn't expect that from Disney Plus, but it's not, it's not the, it's not the first Disney film starring a Predator. Oh, because Shane Black hired a Predator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, because they couldn't find someone to get in the costume, so they just hired an alien. Yeah. So anyway, the the premise is that there's a predator in 1719, and some Native Americans are gonna are gonna hunt it. There's a main character. She's called Nura. Is that her name? In 1719, a group of Comanches are being attacked by a lion on the hunt. Well, they the they they're they gonna hunt. There's something else hunting. They the don't lion. discover Amber Mid Midfunder. Yeah. Nura Nura is like. There's something else out here, and they're like, fucking, no, it's a freaking lion, mate. Freaking calm it down. I love that line of dialogue where she's like, I don't know about you, but I don't know any lions that, that walk on their hind legs carrying this much weight. And no, they don't know about that sort of stuff, because all they care about is they're going to find a bunny rabbit and they're going to shoot it. It's really clever the way she has the stick as well. She finds a stick and she snaps it to check the length of the paw print. Yeah. And like, you see it checking it against... Oh, yeah. I think that's really clever. But um, no, it's it's a film where she's just using her smarts and wit. She wants to be a hunter. She's got desires. See, that's that's a simple thing you can have a, in a character in a film, um, which Americans, a lot of film critics seem to think is a flaw when a character has skills in stuff. She's a really good tracker, and oh, she's, she's been yeah, shoved towards tracker. shoved towards being doing medicine and the women's roles in the town. Yeah. But she wants to hunt. She mistook a gift from her father as being something that was meant to lead her towards a warrior's path. Yeah, but... But her mum keeps saying that your dad meant you to cut trees with that. And she goes, I don't think that's what my dad wanted. She cuts a lot of trees. Yeah, no, she does. I really like... No, but I really like the dialogue. I I don't think that actor would get through many trees, to be honest. I really like the dialogue in a lot of this because a lot of it is, like, it's subtle. It's not Mm. like... It's like, it's actual conversation. No, there's a predator. Not Harvey Weinstein. A different predator. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, big fat bloke running around in the woods with his dick hanging yeah but um, they're gonna hunt she's, she's gonna track it find out what it is she realises what it is she's like oh shit this is a bit fucked she yeah. can't have it um, and then like you know it's a, some French people turn up get slaughtered it's like two films because the really first good. part is like a it's, she's tracking something she doesn't know what yeah and then the second part is just 
Up oh and, shit! Uh, Hitting my finger and foot my toe with <laughs> the keys. The other part is like a survival story. It yeah. becomes almost like like the um, the revenant. She becomes the prey. Well, no, she doesn't. She never. She doesn't become the prey in the film. The other well, they, people they tie to the tree and then she's bait. She's bait, but she's yeah. not bait because they don't realise that she's the, the predator's prey. No, she's not even that because the predator doesn't really recognise her. She just happens to keep being in place. No, he sees her. He tracks her. He set, he picks a thing up and's like, I'm going to find that one. No, you think that he's tracking her, but he'll track like... everything. If he's got a heat sink, he's going to track it. God, I like this film, though. Yeah, it's really good. It's really nicely done. Dan Trachtenberg does good films. He did an episode of The Boys, didn't he? Yeah. Um, can't remember which one it was, though, but he did the one. one. The the guy going in the penis. Did he? Did he do that one? Classic. Classic. That doesn't happen in this film. No. No. Um, naturally, oh, weirdos on the internet are angry because a girl fights it's a predator. Wrong. And they keep saying, "Oh, in the original film, like the Predator took out a whole army with great weapons and stuff." Took me the Predators and vaccines. But like, I think they missed the point in the first film that all the weapons and all the military training didn't mean shit. It was a deconstruction of machismo, you fucking idiots. Yeah. Oh, the biggest person. So was Commando, and people don't get that. No, yeah, (laughs) the biggest, the biggest guy with the biggest gun in the first Predator is taken out so effortlessly. And you don't get that hint. You don't understand that. Chest holding his chest. Yeah, little Jesse Ventura. Fucking minigun. You get taken out of the army. This I like. I really like this in the fact that like the predator isn't. She isn't. Arnold Schwarzenegger is massive, and Mm. in the original film, like him taking it back to basics is what wins him the fight. Yeah, and he does the majority of damage. But then the predator. Overall, drops fucking log on the predator. Yeah, the predator in the end is the one who who essentially wins. Like well, he does this friggin' sore loser move. Yeah. If, if Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't, didn't run right, faster right, than any right, human right, has right. ever run before, then he, he really would have likes been choppers. Yeah, he does. He fucking loves choppers. Um, he, would have, he would have been dead as well. And then Danny Glover in the second one is the first time we actually see the Predators have any sort of honour. Because mm. <laughs> they're like, yeah, you killed a Predator. And he only wins by stealing yeah, He the gets the gun, doesn't he? He, he gets given the a gun. Do you know the gun, where the gun was from? <laughs> it's from Prey. Yeah, yeah. No, but in in, in people this, are moaning because they've retconned who because it was a pirate in the uh, in comics. the comics. But the comics don't count your frigging like, morons. Not everything's like, canon. What I like about Predator Two is that like mm. you've got the character that's built up to be like this super cop who's like taking down all the bad guys, and they're like, oh, mm. he's obviously going to be the one who takes down the Predator. The only way he wins against the Predator is he nicks the Predator's frisbee. Yeah, everything else is ineffective against the Predator. Yeah. And then in this one, the Predator, the majority of the damage that happens to him happens because of other people fighting him. Yeah. She just takes advantage of what she's found out seeing Really him. clever. Yeah. Sets up a trap that she that, learned about earlier. That fucking move at the end was genius. Yeah. I thought that was fucking brilliant. Like, someone was complaining online, it's like, how did she set up exactly where... And I saw like, people saying, oh, the Predator killed himself. It's like, no, she set a trap. Yeah. She used the Predator's it's, tech against it's him. It's almost the exact same move Arnold Schwarzenegger did yeah. with, the, with the log. Because you know, like, he gets to the thing, like, come on! And she come said, on! you're predator fucker. Yeah. And then presses the button. That scene with her brother, where her brother, like, her brother is the last... I saw someone girl. saying, why does the predator fire it if it would curve around to where the laser was? He doesn't know his helmet's there. Yeah. It fires off straight if it's not on there. You see it earlier in the film, he yeah. fires them off straight. Like... His... The the move where he's got the the, the brother mm. jumps on the, on the broken tree and comes up and just spears the predator through the gut. Mm. And I was like, it's really interesting that everyone's going for where, like, he aims for where your kidneys and your liver and stuff would be. Yeah. And, like, it's really clever that all these people are fighting the predator like he's a human because in their minds, that's what they're fighting. They're fighting an advanced intelligent being. But the predator is just like, that really hurts, but I'm not dying. Uh, yeah. Technically, my balls are in my chin. <laughs> yeah, it's maybe. Maybe. 
But no, like, just awesome. Yeah, it's a really I like good the way time. the mask exposes the mouth in this one. I saw someone complaining. It's like, oh, he hasn't got the tech. And then said, oh, yeah, well, you know, with the Predators, they only bring the technology that's, like, equal style to who they're no, fighting. No, they don't. They've no. never done that. The point, the reason why his technology isn't as good as in the other films is that it's set 300 years ago. Yeah. And he has different technology. And, like, they, they <laughs> properly don't downplay, like, the Predator in this is more powerful than anyone that we've seen on TV, mm. like, so far. TV? Like, in the film, sorry, so far. Because like even I know shit, they like, kind of overpower them in Aliens versus Predator where they're all like nine foot tall fucking yeah I know but that's like in in Requiem they try and they try and change that they try and retcon yeah. that to make them more sli- like oh, someone I saw someone online say that the Predator needs a win like it's a fucking what is it a sport you sitting well, there it's wrestling fucking eating your eating your Cheetos with your foam hand yeah the Predator gets killed oh man oh oh no my team lost I thought the Predator was gonna win I. Uh, I was saying, sorry, um, as I was saying, they've slimmed down the Predator. They've made him more agile. It's different predators, just different Predators. Yeah, it's like called... They called him like the Feral. feral. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's always been different Predators. The mask thing, styles. The, the fact the mask goes down, it's got all the tech built into the front of the mm. skull, and then the, the fucking... The mandibles are still there. No, there was um there was one of the Predator toys, the old ones from when I was a kid, that mask that didn't cover the mandibles. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a bunch of different masks on Predators. They've That's always cool. done stuff. And the comics as well, like if you read the Aliens vs. Predator comics, there was all sorts of that. Because um, that's something the the Predator pulled a lot from the comics with like them having hunting dogs and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but the Predator was bad. It was so bad. The Predator wanted to take the kid's autism so he would be super powered. He wanted the kid's autism. <laughs> oh, God, Shane Black, what happened to you? Autism, because he's autastic. Oh, that fucking axe is brilliant in this film. I fucking love the idea of having an axe on a, on a tether yeah. and just whipping it back. Well, she, he noise. says you do, shouldn't have a leash on your axe. Yeah, and like, I was expecting her a, to say a line later. It's not a leash. Well, no, I because they say like they say like your dog doesn't have a leash, but you've got a leash on your weapon. Mm. And like that scene where she's throwing it and then whipping it back and then mm. catching it. That noise. She whips her axe back and forth. She whips her axe back. That and noise forth. of the axe coming back to the hand. He must play God of War because mm. they <laughs> same level of satisfaction from hearing that come back to the hand. Yeah. But I like the fact she uses that for different situations. That's like a that's a very versatile tool. Like when she gets trapped in the quicksand. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Hooks her way out. Oh, fuck. That, mat- that scene where the predator's fighting the bear. Yeah. Really good. I like the fact she swims up into that thing because the bear's chasing her. Yeah. And then you see the, the predator gets taken down by the bear and the bear's walking off because obviously he's tasted it and it, it probably tastes poisonous, to be fair. It's glowing. Yeah. And it starts walking off and the predator gets up and the bear realizes he's got... And he just right fucking hooks the bear in the face. Yeah, I, like I like they've um, updated how the predator's camo looks and stuff, so it's not the... Because the, the original effect's really cool, but it is, it is a simple, like, optical effect where you just, like, you cut the map out, shrink down the image, cut another map out, yeah. shrink it down, so you get layers... Um, clever effect for the back in the day. It looked like it was CG back in the day, but it wasn't. It was just a simple, clever bit of matted mat tracking and stuff. But um, they've updated it so it's all like a little bit more conforms to the shape of the predator and all that. Yeah, and I noticed there's a lot of it. Um, they've changed little bits here. And fizzy there. when he touches stuff and not quite working yeah. parts because the claw when he when he extends out the claw, you yeah, see it pops it slowly. Through it. it pops through the the camo yeah. and then it slowly <laughs> covers over. Yeah. Um, I really like I like the uh, the the um, what I was saying was they've 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 powered him up a little bit mm. in the sense that he has he has the more advanced tools. He doesn't have the super frisbee or like any of the auto targeting shit. Mm. He just has the straight line. Thing, he fires like the said. bolts that like head towards wherever the dots are. Yeah, um, it's auto targeting, but yeah, he doesn't know his helmet's not there at the end. It would have fired in a straight line as yeah, far as he's it. concerned. 
Um, but with she re- smarted him with um, with the the spear. I like the scene where she gets his spear, stabs him with it, yeah. and she goes to stab him again. And he re- he remotely retracts it. Yeah, and so it's just like a oh, oh, it's oh club. fuck yeah yeah. But yeah, I really really enjoyed. And did you see the little spoiler? Not the spoiler, the sequel tease at the end. Yeah, in the credits. Is yeah, like the credits. You see the the more ships come down. Yeah, I thought that that if they do that, I'm going to be fucking happy. No, I think they don't need to. I think the implication I'd get from that is that the predators are going to come down and give her a prize because that's what we know predators like to do. They did it yeah. in Predator Two. They give him because they give Danny Glover the gun that she has yeah, at the yeah. end of this. I think they'd swap prizes over. She doesn't. The gun's rubbish. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if they they probably won't do it because Cowboys versus Aliens did so badly. But doing mm. something like this, where it's like a where is the starting of like an American frontier town near them, a Wild West one. Like I'd, a you, you could do this. You just do it with predators every now and again. Just you know, a predator visits Ramsey Street, or friggin' that'd be a good way to end neighbours, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> neighbours versus predator. Yeah, yeah. Get toadfish fighting the predator. God, I fucking loved toadfish. Would be the one you kill, and it's Toadie. like yeah. Toadfish. He's called Toadfish originally. No, it's not. It's Toadie. Toadie was what they started calling him later on. He was always Toadfish. But you could have him getting his spine ripped out. That'd be like the emotional death moment where you're like, no, I didn't want him to die. I still. Mr. Sunday Movies where they bring did Lou the, back. Mr. Sunday Harold would take him out. Mr. Sunday Movies where they did the uh, review of the Batman versus Predator comic, mm. and they go, he's doing that classic classic Predator pose on top of the building. He goes, oh yeah, victory arms, victory arms. Mm. <laughs> Like, as soon as he, he's covered in blood, he rips the thing open and covers himself in blood. I was like, "Victory arms!" Yeah. I should watch. I watched Predator Two like a few years ago, and it's, the Predator Two holds up a lot. Oh, it's so good. But this one, I'm like, it's it's like the best Predator sequel, Prayers. But it I I almost best, debate like, that it's better than the first film. But the first film's got that extra nostalgic fun eighties rewatchability. Just that scene is when they're taking down the Contras. Mm. Where they go into the little village, the team yeah. the Cuban, the drug dealers. Blurring up. So insanely cool, though. Like, mm. most of the budget went on that scene. Mm. And then, also, the the original one. This one is very much like it plays its heart. It's, you know it's a Predator film because you see that. Mm. Like, when the ant's crawling up the Predator's armour. Yeah, the And little... then the mouse gets it. Mm. And then the snake gets the mouse. And then the Predator just guts the fucking snake. Yeah. And you see that sort of, like, it's introduced itself as an apex Predator in that environment. Yeah. Whereas in Predator, the original... The whole idea of them slowly revealing that, like, yeah, okay, Carl Weathers said you were meant to be stopping this drug trade and getting these people, but in actuality, they've been told there's something quite crazy in the woods, and the military it's wants a chupacabra. It. Chupacabra. Um, um, yeah. What was the name of the Native American guy in the first film? Billy. 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 Billy something. Cuts, though, himself, cuts himself on the bridge. Yeah. And then immediately gets killed. <laughs> yeah, but he's called Billy something. Billy Thunderpants. I don't know. I, I just um, at work today when, when work finished I queued up a song on the playlist it was one hour of farts on Spotify <laughs> I was laughing so what was, much what was, the, what was the thing that I was watching or listening to I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about that where like someone all his friends got to go see The Predator but he was just too young to go see it at the time so mm. in the 80s all his friends had got to see it and on the bus you know like where kids are talking about something that was on TV on the weekend and they're all like they talk about it and because they're, you're a kid your perspective's skewed or you're too excited. So he got kept like having all his friends turn like, oh, there's this crazy fight where Billy's this Native American guy and he cuts his chest and he's like, he fights the predator. And like, and this guy was explaining how in his head, like he was expected to see like a five minute fight between this Native American and the predator. And the naturality is just, it cuts away after he's cut himself and he's going up against it. And then it's just his head. <laughs> it's just he gets like, fucked. Yeah. Um, 
What's I, Credit I, Got Against Native Americans? They're always like, getting fucking slaughtered in these. Those stuff. French people get reduced to nothing. That's funny, that. That was fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all getting slaughtered. And... I do like the fact that because it's like... I thought that was the Mad Hatter guy playing Raphael. Yeah, I thought as well. Yeah, you know the guy from Gotham. Yeah, for, uh, the guy from The Walking Dead as well. He yeah. the wolves. He's doing more stuff. He's quite fun. Um, but no, I, I really but like... Amber Midfunder's friggin' spot. I like her. I like her. She was yeah, great. So in, good. She's great in Legion. I was like, yeah. I really like the um, the move she has where the Predator's chasing her. She jumps against the tree and she's sort of hidden the fact there's like punji sticks coming out of the oh, tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he lands into them and like fucking gets gored up. Yeah, his yeah. fucking shield where he takes off his own arm as well. I thought that's just like, it's such clever like, because again, it's all about geography in this. Yeah. You can see... Oh, the final battle doesn't go on for freaking ages. No. It's like three minutes. Like, Well, that's the thing. Like in, the whole in Predators, the final battle is five minutes. Yeah, you don't need it to be a really super I like, long. Well, Predators is fine. I, think I really weird. like Predators. The only thing with Predators is that Lawrence Fishburne's character was blatantly meant to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's originally, and they like Arnie wouldn't come back for it. I guess I, it was actually meant to be someone else, but I can't remember if it was Danny Glover or someone else. Yeah, but they they, they clearly wanted it to be. No, it was because they the, they purposely mention the stories of what happened in the in the jungle oh, yeah. in 1987 or something. Um, like the woman mentions it. Yeah, yeah. The setup was, was the, the was setup there. was clearly that it was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's character mm-hmm. that's on this planet. Um, does Adrian Brody ever get off that planet? Because that's the big question in at the, the end of the film. Oh, I don't want to care about the comics. In the comics, they, they the only thing that's canon is the films. Well, they 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 were going to do a sequel, weren't they? But then mm. Shane Black said he'd come back and he fucking ruined the whole thing. Yeah, because Predators did well, did well enough for a sequel. Mm. Um, a lot of people like that. The Predators, they could do that. Yeah, yeah. They should do praise. I'm glad that they made this. And I'm also glad that they kept it under wraps because, like, nothing's been announced about this for a long time. No, no, there was, there was stuff about the film was being made, but they didn't, like... A tr- the first trailer only went out a few months ago, There was didn't a hint it? that it was a Predator movie, but it was called yeah. Prey and it was being sort of kept, kept under wraps. Yeah. But yeah, that final fight... Let's do one with Jean-Claude Van Damme takes him on. Because remember Jean-Claude Van Damme was... Yeah, he's going yeah, to be Predator. He's like, I can't fucking deal with this. Fuck this yeah, noise. hated the suit. Yeah, I don't blame him, to be honest. They are making a sequel to this, so I'm mm. looking forward to seeing what's that, what yeah, that's going to be. Yeah, but I'd rather a sequel just be drop the Predator in a random location. That's why the first two films work, because both of them are dropping the Predator in a different location. Yeah, I know they spoke about like him being in like a Vietnam War and shit like that, didn't they? Ah, don't do Jungle. Do um, Samurai or friggin' Caveman. Yeah, no take it back even further. Go Caveman. Because that's what I like. Like I was going to say, the Feral Predator, this tech is like, it's all simplified. Mm. Yeah. It's not like the stuff you see in the later ones where it's like... You could do a Caveman one, shit. and in the process of fighting the um, Predator, they discover fire. And that's how fire was found you by know humans. What? If you gave the rights and to the guy who you did... find out the Caveman's surname is Utani. <laughs> so... Did you ever watch Primal, the series by the Samurai Jack creator? Nah. So Primal... Nah, that's what you mean. Didn't if, watch it. if they did a version of that where it was just cavemen fighting a predator and it is like mm. them desperately struggling against this creature they have no understanding of, yeah, that'd be fucking great. Because that series... What, what's that? What's that caveman film I watched when I was a kid? Incino was... Man? No. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck you. We idiot. found a predator frozen in the ice, dude! No, there was... It, was it might be a million years BC, I think. It had... um. Raquel Welch think, in the fucking furry bikini. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that, and it was all BC. about them dealing with... 10 million BC. Like, there's a, there's a big old hunt thing going on. Yeah, there it? is. Yeah, and there's, hunt. like, next to no dialogue in the whole film. They hunted Diplodocus. Yeah, but something like that. Something like Predator like that. Or, or the Predator lands in Hollywood, and he starts hunting Predators in Hollywood. And they're all just old, disgusting men. <laughs> yeah. And then 
actual Arnold Schwarzenegger has to take him down. And he's like, I'm 75 years old, please let me sleep. And Danny Glover's like, I'm about 75 as well, mate. We should both have a nap. Let's hand this over to the next generation of superstars. And they'll get Jason Statham to fight the Predator. You could quit Statham versus Predator. That'd be, that'd be great. Uh, there's someone someone online has posted a meme that says, a team of highly skilled badasses oh, yeah, with experience had almost no chance versus a Predator. A girl with almost no experience beats a Predator alone. I was like... She's got experience, you freaking... And also, I did just mention the fact that Predator takes a fuck ton of damage leading up to that final fight. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the point, is that, like... You know the point of the first film is that the guns mean nothing. The most they manage to do is scratch him. Yeah. There's a little bit of blood, little and then the guy goes... And he goes, if, if it, it bleeds, bleeds we, we can, can kill, kill it. it. Yeah. I do like the fact they say that in this. Yeah, I did start singing the song yeah. straight away. If it bleeds, we can kill it. da 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 I still... I, I, it's the best Predator film we've had in a very long time. Mm. And, you know, yeah. fuck it. If little incels can't get over the fact that, like, a fucking... A group of Comanches and trappers take on a predator. It's only okay when a woman fights an alien and defeats it if your parents watch the film and then pass it down to you. It's almost like they don't understand that the predator hunts by heat signatures and sees defensive weapons that specifically turn up on his heat signatures as a threat. Mm. Weird, that isn't it? Mm. You're trying to put story on it. I don't care about that. I just want. Well, no, like that's been the case in Tom every and Jerry film. versus Predator. Like, you see the gun lights up. Yeah. Like in Predator, the the fucking the main dude, you see him holding his M sixteen is lit up like he is with a heat mm. signature. That's he's and been then firing it. in later films, like you see them when they don't have weapons, the Predator doesn't kill them. Yeah. Like just like fucking what's her name, um, uh, the woman who played Vasquez in Predator Two. Yeah, yeah, she well, she was pregnant. That's what no, I was but she think. also dropped her gun. She didn't have a gun. She didn't have mm. any weapons. No, he stops because she's pregnant. It's not a good game. He looks at her stomach and you see the. Well, he almost walks away from Bill Paxton as well until he picks up her gun. Yeah, because he's killed Bill Paxton. Because he's got a gun. No, he kills him because he's Bill Paxton. No, he kills him because he's got a gun. No, Bill Paxton doesn't survive he's got films. A gun. What do you do with Bill Paxton when he's in a film? You kill him. He dies in Terminator. Dies in Aliens. He didn't dies die in Predator Frailty. 2. Frailty. He probably did. He did die in the end of Frailty. Yeah. He's, have you seen Frailty? No, I don't know what that it's is. It's a good movie. Yeah, you know, Bill he Paxton. He's been he gets blown God. up in Agents of he Shield. He thinks he's been told by God to kill demons, but he's actually just beating people's heads in with a pipe. He's got special gloves so that when yeah. he touches them, he doesn't see their sins because if he takes the gloves off and touches them, he sees their sins. Ah. He sees them as demons. Matthew McConaughey's yeah. in it and yeah. Jack McFee. Was this a McConaughey's film? Or? No, like It doesn't sound like one. Yeah, it like sounds like before the McConaughey's. Really fucking good film. It's honestly, it's it's actually really, really good. We have the McConaughey's now though. It's really good and it's really creepy the way that Bill Paxton explains how he... Because he calls them holy weapons mm. and he's actually, it, it's hinted at that he's got like a brain tumor or something's going wrong with him but he calls them holy weapons and he goes, boys, I've got a story to tell you about how I found this holy axe. And he puts down this old wood axe that's like partly rusty and fucked but he puts it down and he goes, I was working today and I was working in the tractor and I looked into the barn and then suddenly I saw a stream of light brighter than any light I've ever seen and it's shining there's down there's a hole in the roof it's, uh, yeah basically there's a hole in the roof and it's shining down this axe and a log and he goes and touches it and he fe- looks up at the light and he has like a fit and he goes like this is one of the holy weapons that God told us about and then he goes and here's another one it's a lead pipe <laughs> and the gloves are just like gardening gloves yeah and those are his holy weapons yeah it's a really fucking good film though so it's about Mormon no 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 it's just he loses uh. his fucking mind after his wife dies do you think Brendan Fraser, the uh, which uh, by the way I'm coining the term now, the Fraisenaissance, the Fraisenaissance, the Renaissance, the Renaissance, Fra- no, it's not Fren, Fran-a-sons. Renaissance, no, the Renaissance, the Renaissance, the Renaissance, 
Renaissance. Renaissance. We're gonna we're gonna workshop this. We're trademarking it. If anyone uses it, because someone didn't trademark the McConaughey sense and they lost out on billions. <laughs> the friend Renaissance. The friend Renaissance. The Encinaissance. <gasps> In the UK, it'll be the Californiaissance. <laughs> I know loads of Americans have said I have no idea what an Encino is. California man's a much better title. <laughs> they've delayed it thanks to cancelling the Batgirl film, haven't they? I just want them to release Batgirl. They won't know because it it's a tax write-off now. It can't be worse than Suicide Squad 2016. I don't think it's bad at all. I don't think there's any chance it is bad. I think they just writing it off because they fucked up their entire DC universe and now they're trying to console oh, it down. Just release it. But the film with the sex predator is still coming. Which one's that? Flash. Oh, Ezra Miller. Yeah, he's currently going across America. They. they yeah, they, they. They. Does that matter? Non-binary. Ezra Miller with with the Ezra Miller is non-binary, and as much as I dislike them as a human being, I still want to respect the fact that you know I don't I don't give a fuck. Just call them they them. It's putting children in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They started a cult. Yeah, they are putting children in danger with drugs and alcohol. How are they, they... going to promote that film when it comes out? Are they going to have? Do you think Jared Leto's sweating right now? He's <laughs> like, oh, what do you do? You start a cult. Taking the heat off him. <laughs> Maybe they should do a film where the Flash takes on the Joker. Just, but are they going to have Ezra Miller do the? Um... That girl needs to leak. There needs to be a work print. Well, I want to see pregnant. it. What? She's not pregnant. No, I need to see it. Uh. Like this is now going to be a thing that I need. to You know see. why this is all happening? Though, it's because they wasted a ridiculous amount of money on the Snyder Cut, which didn't make them money back. I know the Snyder Cut fans think it was the most successful thing ever. Even Wonder Woman eighty four. Like tripled its views in the first. Day. They don't like it when you mention the fact that Cap- Captain Marvel made almost a billion. Well, made over a billion. Yeah, and because they think that's a bad film because woke lady bad. Yeah, um, even but though- they. But then it was found out was that Zack Snyder had like a whole bunch of bots and <laughs> like had hired people to try and push yeah. the popularity of the Snyder yeah, Justice. Nearly, like, that's why you're not getting the air cuts. Was it like Suicide only, Squad? Only seventeen percent of the people were real. Yeah, but like. Because they've been pushing, they want the air cut of Suicide Squad. It's going to be bad. I would be interested in seeing a cut that's done by one person, not by like 16 different um, trailer park companies. Yeah, but how would that be good? I would like a more coherent version of it, but I don't know if one exists. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, right. I I think there's a possibility you could probably turn a good hour and 20 minute long solid film that has a narrative thread for it out of that. You cut out. I'm pretty sure if you cut out house, the third and fourth introductions of each character, the trailer house who made that film went, mm. "We're done with this footage now," and then chucked in a bin and put a match in it, and mm. it just went up. Ugh. I've said all along they should have released a version where everyone gets to make their own cut of the film. Yeah, just make those free cuts because they had the trailer. Forty house, minutes into the film, they had David Ayer, and then they had like the editing studio. The film starts off with introductions, then they do even more introductions, yeah. and then forty minutes into the film, Joel Kinnaman's like, "This here's Katana. She's got a blade <laughs> that'll steal your soul. Don't want to get cut by it." How do they give Joel Kinnaman no charisma, and then you see him in that second film, and he is great? It's fucking great, though, yeah. I need to. What's the second film's not on streaming anyway? Oh, I don't know. You have to buy it. I don't want to buy it. I might just buy the 4K copy. Yeah. Fuck it, actually. Let me have a look. See how much it is. I yeah, I want. It. I need the 4K copy. Let me just borrow mine when I pray, buy it. Pray is really good. It's on Disney Plus. It's so good. Which means Amber Midfund is a Disney princess. Yeah. Congrats to her. It's so good, and fuck all those stupid little incel cunts <laughs> that don't like it. Maybe if the president had big fucking tits, they'd love it. No, because they couldn't get those tits. Did because- you see? Did you see 
Cyborg Spider-Woman in the new Spider-Man film, in the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse film. No, I didn't. Um, she's designed to look like friggin' uh, Rob Liefeld 90s hard-edged, like, edgy edgelord character. Oh, really? But you've got to look it up. It's fucking amazing. The um, Cyborg Spider-Woman toy. Search that up. I'll have a look at that. Yeah, yeah, because the toy's been revealed. And it's like, it is amazing. The pictures are out there. Just, no, sorry, I'm, I'm still trying to. Oh, you the fucking squad. Sorry. Look, I'll show <coughs> you freaking... I've got to be careful that I don't buy the original dog shit one. No, 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 freaking. There you go. That's what she looks like. That's what Cyborg Spider Woman looks like. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's yes. just, it's like someone's just looked at Lob Rifle's drawings of Cable and put every single. The only thing is, there's feet. The feet are visible. Just, I need the guns. But like, oh, the guns. Like sixty percent leg, freaking. Not even drawn, just they just took cable and drew drew a man and said that's that's cyborg Spider Woman. It needs like everywhere it's everywhere it's like forty quid. How is it that expensive? Not Suicide Squad. Yeah, four K Blu rays, man. But the Blu rays only six pound. I might just buy the fucking Blu ray. Four K. Well, I wait for it to come into work. It'll come into work at some point, and I'll get me discount on it. Yeah. Anyway, say goodbye to the children. Bye, it's everyone. It's been really fun talking to you. Uh, Boris Johnson still fucks kids because he's still in in power, so we want to get rid of him. Um, but uh, yeah, he still fucks kids. Um, We're going to get Liz Truss as prime minister, aren't we? Like I said weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm hoping we get Tiny Sunak so that we can. Uh, yeah, but this turned out the me. biggest disadvantage for Rishi Sunak is letting him just talk, <laughs> and also the fact that he's a different colour from the colour that everybody wants him to be. Yeah, the well, the Tories. Yeah. No, it's useful. It's helpful for him. Makes him look less racist. That's why. That's why they have people like Richie. And now I introduce Token. I mean Richie. What was that? Um, Alexi Sale described Pretty Patel as the sort of woman who would unplug your life support to charge her phone. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. Not bad. Not bad. Anyway, right. see right. you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Uh, as pieces. always, see you in two weeks. You can find out at Mellow Gaming. Don't and, find me anywhere. And you can find him as uh, Wild World's Hat online. You going to is TransformerCon next week? TF Nation. Yeah, next I'm week. Going to TF Nation next week. Yeah. Yeah. What day is it? The oh, it's the weekend. I'm going on the thirteenth though. Going on the thirteenth. All right. If you're going to be there, let Ant know. You'll say hello. Sign your uh, Wild World's hat if you've got one. Yeah, because I'm, I'm Wild. Wild they put hat. Wild Will in the comic because of me. Did they? Yeah. I've apparently, maybe, possibly, I'm just saying, um, the last Bot Standing comic, Yeah, he wasn't in issue two at all with the group of characters that are there. Suddenly he's in issue three. Oh. And I meant, I just tweeted at Nick Roche, the writer yeah. and the artist and stuff, the people who worked on it, and he was like, yeah, I was hoping you'd spot that. And I was like, hey, they put Wild Will in the comic. I wonder if I can get on YouTube, the, mm. uh, because I've got like £10 mm. worth of credit on here. Anyway, bye. Bye, everyone. Fuck you. Love you.